Episode 81, Hot Shot Scott. Episode number 81. Did uh, Piper's team do well over the weekend? 2-0 and over the weekend. Okay. Moving on to the ETL tournament. It's tournament time. They all matter. And then states after that? And then state after that. Two busy weekends. We need to talk about and that. And the investigation is closed into improper players playing on the team. Is that closed up now? Wait, did we never talk about what happened when, when no. the, the head of Issaquah basketball like came up to me at, in the crowd? Heard it on the podcast? Yeah. No. I got I got Nobody pulled. listens to this podcast. That's what I thought. That's why that's why I do it. I'm sitting it's like a couple weeks you were on you were in Florida, I think. Uh-huh. I'm sitting at one of the games. I'd yeah. never met the head of Issaquah basketball. I know who he is. He's the head of it. He comes up and goes, Hey, are you Scott Soden? And I go, Yeah. And he goes, Do you have two seconds? I'm like, Oh, oh. God. And I'm glad my wife wasn't there because she gets really embarrassed by, you know, anything. So he's did like, you know did you know what was coming? Of course. I knew. I mean really? I I figure. I mean, why would he want to talk to me? I mean, okay. I'm just a parent. He, he runs, you know, fifth, through fourth through eighth. There's a lot of okay. Yeah. So he goes. Yeah. Okay. So I jump down and we go talk. And he's like, Yeah, I got it. Um, I got a call from the president of the Eastside Travel League, and uh, he he said that he heard on a podcast that you guys are being investigated. <laughs> I'm like. Well, I, well, it wouldn't be you guys. It would be him guys. He's the leader of the Issaquah basketball. Well, right? that's why the president called him to see if he needed help, to see if he really is being an investigated. And so he did say, uh, just so you know, we're not being investigated. Oh. And I just wanted to close the loop on this. Basically, right. don't talk about it again, right. dumbass, because it's not true. Right. So, yeah, he was very nice about it, but I was like, I don't like so it. So nobody's – but you said that, that one, of the, one of the competing teams – I heard the rival two, teams, yeah. That, two of the rival teams had protested that you guys had – Kids on your ten-year-old team that did not live in the the, the proper vicinity. Correct. Say. That that's what I heard. And, and 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 he's saying that was never the case. That those two teams never officially protested. He didn't say they never did. He said yeah. we're not being investigated. And what do you Come on, let's lay it on the. This is the podcast. He's not listening. What's <laughs> he's the truth? Pull me out of the crowd again. What, what's the of- truth? Can I have, by the way, can I have two seconds with you? Oh, God, the worst thing you could ever hear, right? <laughs> do you have a couple? Do you have a couple seconds? Oh, I so what's it. the truth? That they investigated the truth, it but. and were like pretending like they didn't, or what's the truth? M- maybe, maybe looked into it and realized that everyone's accounted for correctly, and that okay. Issaquah has their okay. their ducks in a row. Okay. I, I'm guessing that's what happened, okay. but I don't know for sure. Well, you're gonna have to fly these these girls in from <laughs> Dallas for the state <laughs> champion. Where, where is that in Spokane? In Spokane, yeah. yeah. Have you been to the state? You, will you send them straight from from New York City, from the playgrounds in New York yeah, City yeah. to Spokane, and will they come here and then ride with you guys and pretend? that they live here in the vicinity. Yeah, they, they fly into SeaTac, <laughs> and then we have a bunch of SUVs waiting for them, like a, yes. a, a caravan of SUVs. I thought SUVs. they go into Boeing Field. Don't they go private into Boeing Field? Oh, I thought that went without saying. <laughs> they don't go to SeaTac. <laughs> for peasants, of course. <laughs> yeah, then we'll all pretend and ride over together. <laughs> all right, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Podcast Addict, if you're on the Android device, this is episode 81. We want you to subscribe, please. Please, 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 if you like it, if you like the show, subscribe. And if you're on one of those platforms, where you can review us. Oh, yeah. Give us a five-star rating. We'd appreciate that as well. Also, become a Mitch Unfiltered patron for $5 per month and enjoy a second full show, which drops on Thursdays. Yep. Uh, A couple of patron shows ago, we had the Fisherman Jeff Aaron thanks to you, which seems like it was a big hit. For patrons. It looked like it for me. I mean, I, all the feedback I saw on Facebook, everyone was loving hearing you two again. We never did kind of a reunion on KJR 
before my days at KJR ended. Yeah. Uh, we were in golf leagues together and different things together, but that was the first ever kind of long-form conversation that Fish and I have had since, what do we decide, 2011? I think that's or right. Or seven, 2007. It was 11 years, so yeah, 2007. So 96 to yeah. 2007. Yeah. And people loved it. You people thought it. people were going to love it. I figured he they was would. Great. I was a little offended by the whole thing. If you really want to know. <laughs> well. It seems like he was waiting from 2007 to 2020. I guess yeah. people get mad when I say 2020. 2020. Mm-hmm. He was waiting for 13 years to lay it on me. Did it not sound like he came, like he was prepared to put me down a lot on, on episode, whatever it was, 79P? More so than anyone else from your past that we've had on to talk about you. I mean, no, it seemed- it's, see, yeah, I, I it just felt no. like, it felt like he had been like laying in the weeds for a long time. My time he has come. Pl- he had plenty to say <laughs> yeah. and he was not, la- he, and who knows, it may take another 13 years before we do it again. He's going to get out off his chest. And he really, he took me out by the woodshed. He swacked me around a little bit. He's like Rambo, slowly tying the bandana, getting ready. He called ready. me an a-hole like five times uh, on the show. Well, when you were a younger man, you've admitted maybe you were a little more difficult. I mean, you're not an a-hole I now. I think he exact totally, I think these people totally exaggerate. I'm Is not saying right? I was, I was, you know, easy going Mitch. Yeah, I was weren't. strung tight. Yeah. But I don't know that, I, I, I think I reject the characterization by some of these. But well, you were there. You can speak to this. I don't think he was uh, overblowing that much of it. I think you guys, I think you were difficult to work with. But again, like Fish said, or he said on the interview, I always threaten physical violence, so that's why it lasted. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it lasted 11 years. Well, if you have a lot heard, of fun. If you're either a patron who has not heard the the reunion show and uh, how would you portray for i'm sure there's a lot of people here who started listening in 2008 9 10 11 with me and sandmeyer and everything else so when i say that i I guess we shouldn't just assume that everybody knows who the fish is my first real broadcast partner when we went to the mornings my first one was wheels in the midday and then the fisherman jeff aaron well he was jeff aaron and then he became the fisherman yeah one of the many nicknames that i gave gave away and he's now parlayed that into whatever mr trivia he didn't seem to be complaining about that while he was calling me an a-hole well you came up with mr trivia and he's made a whole life out of it i came up with fish too I came up with fish and hotshot. Yeah, yeah. Did I not come up with hotshot? You sure did. Are you still calling yourself hotshot? Well, I don't call myself that, what but is others your, do. What is your Twitter handle? What does it say when I put Scott Soden in? What what pops up? It says at Scott Soden. No, no. What pops up? <laughs> well, I did it. I was forced okay, to get it for the radio. Pops, yes, what it says pops hotshot up? Scott. Okay. Yes. All right. But so, the worst part is people think I gave that to myself. You gave no, it to I me. Gave, I gave all the nicknames yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. Uh, Stretch and hotshot and Searsy and Wink and all the and fish and fish. When I gave him that, by the way, he was my first partner, I guess, from 96 to 2007. We did our reunion show. If you're not a patron and you want to hear that show or all the other shows that we do on Thursdays, it's just $5 a month. If you are a patron and you just haven't gotten around to it, you might enjoy yep. whether you remember Fish or not. Uh, I, he, he has called himself the Fish since 1996. <laughs> and just for the record, when I gave him that nickname, because... And our renditions of the story. I just let him go on the Patreon all right, show. All right. He was the guest, so I was trying to be nice to the sure. guest. I knew it improved Mitch Levy. Uh, I remember it a little differently, giving him the fish nickname. He said to me when I called him the fish on the, on the show for the first time, hey, fish. I said, hey, fish. We went to break, and he said, if you ever call me that name again, I will punch you in the nose. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't remember that it was, that way. Uh, he might remember that. What he doesn't remember is why I called him. The, I, I think his version of the, he was given the whole thing. It doesn't matter. Let's not go there. 
Let's not. Go. Well, my recollection is that a, a listener called up the next day. Yeah, it sounded like it was. Well, it was so boring. It sounded like a fishing show, right. I think, is what the listener said. He doesn't remember that part of it. That's what I remember. It doesn't yeah. matter. And 1996, I'm going to punch you in the nose if you ever call me the fish again. That was 24 years ago. And he's been calling himself the fish ever since. Right. Anyway, uh, That's so, a fun listen, though. I listened back to it. I had so much fun. I think fun. all those patron shows are fun. Yeah. We, we, we kind of changed it up a little bit. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron for $5 per month and enjoy a second full show. And to do that, you just go to MitchUnfiltered.com and click on Become a Patron. It takes you to what we call the, the Patreon site. It's very simple. And by the way, I, I don't know that I've said this recently in recent podcasts. It's important. When you become a patron, and if you are a patron, you want to copy and paste the little RSS feed yep. into your your normal device, like the Apple Podcast, if you listen to our normal Monday shows, so that all the shows go right there. You don't have to listen to it on That's the right. Patreon. Now, if you are a patron, you're like, I never did that. I don't know how to do that. Just write me at Mitch and Mitch Unfiltered because I am a whiz when it comes to technology. That's right. You are. You're known for that. <laughs> As you slowly push your reading glasses up. Christ. And I'm serious. I, I will walk you through. I will personally, if I have to come to your house, I will personally help you so that all of the Mitch Unfiltered podcasts can come to the right to one place. Yeah. Whether it's your, you know, you understand that. Thank right? you for explaining what an RSS feed is to us. We all got it. No, you didn't know what an RSS feed is. Of course, feed. I know what an RSS I didn't feed know is. What an RSS all right. feed. Anyway, Fish was a hit. Yes. Uh, it was before great. we get to the, the official start of 81, some business. Can I get you some business? Yes, please. We have a huge dinner coming up on March 18th that I want. Well, I can't have everybody, but I want. People that are interested to get excited about. It's our second annual Unfiltered March Madness. Last year we tried it and it was a success and we're going to add to it and make it bigger. So here's what it is. March 18th, I believe, is the Wednesday night, the night before the Thursday opening round. Yeah, they'll have the, f the first four games on Tuesday right. and Wednesday. They don't count. Before, while you're filling out your brackets, before you submit your brackets, we'll have a Wednesday night party at the Bellevue Daniels Broiler on March 18th. Uh, will serve you a steak, the best steak dinner that you're going to get in the Northwest. There's just no question about that. Beer and wine, appetizers, garlic mashed potatoes, veggies, salads, desserts, the whole thing. Yep. It's all in one price. It's $125 plus uh, tax and gratuity, $125. You get the dinner, and then we do a big presentation. Jason Hamilton is hoping to come. We'll see at the oh, last great. minute if he can come. And what we're going to do, I'll do a presentation of the history of the tournament. I'm going to essentially try to help you win your office pool just give you statistics and factoids things that you never heard of and maybe you don't know not only about the current teams and we'll go through bracket by bracket but we'll just give you the kind of the history of the tournament i do a powerpoint presentation Whoa. and everything else and then after dinner this is what we didn't do la that I need your I, apparently I need your help on. What we didn't do last year is we're going to do an auction. Do you remember the famous auction that got Rick Neuheisel in trouble? Well, I didn't know it was an auction. I thought he just filled out a bracket, but it was an auction. It was. I think it was an auction. You know who he had? <laughs> no, the Syracuse Orange when they won the national oh, championship. Oh God, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> who's in fact, the I, in fact, I think he had the winner in like back to back years. But who's counting? Right. Who's keeping track? <laughs> so. I've never done it. I've always wanted to do I've always done the fill out the bracket and we'll help people win their office yeah. pools and I, I I would ask that everybody who comes on that Wednesday night don't don't submit your 
your pool until after the dinner, right? Until yeah, yeah, yeah. You have till midnight. Why? Right. Why or do you it early? Probably have till the next morning. But I also want to do an auction, and you've done an auction. I've never done an auction before. I hear they're really, really exciting. It's and fun. great. Fifteen years I've been part of this auction. Really for a long time. Oh yeah, I mean Tepper. So how does it work? How do how do I do it? I'm going to auction off every team in the field. Yep. Sixty four teams. All sixty four. Right? right. So every so everybody comes. Um, you have a salary cap essentially, and it's use it or lose it. The money. Let's say the salary cap's one hundred and fifty dollars. Now that that's how much real money you have to bid on every team and we pull the 64 teams out out of a hat so you have no idea you could be waiting for a team or they could come out early so it just all depends on when teams come out so let's say you know butler comes out and then you start the bidding two dollars right three dollars what's my what's my budget Whatever we, we decide, 150 bucks, $100, whatever you whatever want. Whatever it is, right. Yeah. And I can go in with my my significant other or my sure. guest or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I would suggest not having like six people on a team because it goes fast. You're, you're bidding. And to get the conclusion of what everybody thinks in real time is going to be hard. Okay. So make sure you're on the, the same page with people. Okay. So there's a couple of theories. You go in and buy a bunch of 12s and just... And every time they win a game... You get money, right? So you might have a, you might buy ten teams and hope that one pops, or right. wait, or wait and just now, buy do you one get, team. Do you get if if you if I mean it's unlikely that a fifteen seed is going to win a game. So if I buy a fifteen seed, is there a bonus because a fifteen seed oh, is a real? Speaking my language now, okay. there's a low seed bonus in every round. Okay, so they make because otherwise no one would want yeah, to well, bid on any fifteen or sixteen or fourteen seeds. Because that's right. what's the benefit? Even if they win a game, I'm just going to get it. I'm going to get more than if a one wins a game, right? Right. But so yeah, so the a low, okay. a low seed bonus in every round can be okay. huge. It can be a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to auction off all sixty four teams. Yep. And by the way, for the record, anybody who wants to be there that night to get the tutorial on how to win your office pool, and you don't want to play in the auction, you don't have to. Yeah. This is just for anybody. This is just a little side little side action. I've been part of it. They are so fun. It's just because you I can, think it's going to be a great night. You, I think it'll be really fun. You can come in with a strategy, but that could just go out the window. Let's say you're waiting for Duke and they get can picked I, first. Is it a hard cap or a soft cap? Can I go over the cap? So here's the deal on going over the cap. If you only buy one team... You can go over the cap, and then you can start. You, you maybe you're bidding with three other people, and it could get up to five hundred dollars or whatever it is. And that just but goes only into the if general you're going to go with one team. As soon That's as right. it's your second team, you got the hard cap. As soon as you go over the cap and buy one team, you can go home. You're done because you can only buy one team. Right, but if I buy one team for three dollars, yeah, I cannot go over the cap for. That's Kansas. Right. That's exactly because right. I already have a team. Because you already it, have it's got to be your one and only team. So sometimes right. whoever I don't know the like the Duke last year. Yeah. People there's like five teams waiting to get Duke at Boy, the end. This year though is crazy yeah, because it's nobody be knows. So fun. Th- this is ridiculous. You can get you could probably I mean Elevens and Twelves or could be good value there. Well, I mean there, I I don't know who I would go over the. Am I going over the cap for Baylor? Am I going over right. the? I mean these teams are San Diego State. <laughs> right. This is the craziest year in college. Anyway, all right. So March 18th. It. All right. Here here's the way if you want to be with us if you want to reserve a spot here's what you do you can either go to mitchunfiltered.com i hope i'll have it up the order form up by the time this is released this uh, episode 81 the best way may be just to email me directly at mitch at mitchunfiltered.com just email me and say my name is so-and-so i want two spots or i want three spots whatever it is march 18th the best steak you're going to have, yep. USDA prime filet, beer and wine included, parking included, appetizers, garlic mash, veget- vegetables, salads, desserts, anything 
and everything, plus my presentation on the history of the NCAA tournament to help you kind of fine-tune your picks in your office pool, plus the auction. Right, and don't the hold me auction. Don't hold me to the $150 cap. It was just an idea. Well, what we I'll can, do, no, what, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it a $100 cap, but it's not going to be $100. It might, it, might be, it might be a $20 buy-in, but it'll be 100 units. You know what I mean? I see. You have I 100 to work with. 100 to work with. Gotcha. Or, or, or We'll figure out a way to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be $100. It could be $20. It could be $15. We'll do what everybody else, everybody, the, the, what the majority wants to do. I don't want to make it so, oh, I don't want to go because I can't it's afford it. It's too expensive. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. want everybody to have fun. It's the second annual Mitch Unfiltered March Madness Party, uh, March the 18th, the Wednesday night. It's coming up the Wednesday night at the Daniels, Daniels Bellevue. We'll probably start around 6-ish. 6.30-ish. We haven't figured out the exact start time, so I hope everybody will join me, and I hope that Jason Hamilton will be able to make it as well. All right, coming up on episode 81. We haven't even started yet. Uh, the new head coach, very, very fun and enjoyable new head coach of the Washington State Football Cougars. Well, he's got My big, first visit with Nick Rolovich. Big shoes to fill on the fun department, right, with Mike Leach. So. He's a different – I'll be interested to hear what you think of the interview. Okay. I did the interview. I did all these interviews, obviously – I think you're going to like him, but it's a, he's a different kind of quirky. He's not like Leach, okay. but he's fun. Okay. And yeah. he's a little off and he's a little different. So I think you'll like it. Good. Uh, speaking of the little off and a little di- different, and I, I mean it in the most endearing way, the old lefty Jim Zorn, head coach of your <laughs> Seattle Dragons. <laughs> a little off and a little different. He's a head coach. Oh. Okay. All right. Have you ever gotten to know Jim Zorn? No. I mean, it, it just speaks to what I've been saying all my life, which is left-handers. Yeah. There is truth to the rumor. <laughs> left-handers just are a little different than right. Not bad, yeah. but they're a little different than right. Anyway, Jim Zorn, the head football coach of your one in three XFL Seattle Dragons, and he is getting raked over the coals. Already. <laughs> oh, did you hear what he did? Oh, I watched it. I happened to be. Are you talking about going for three? Yes, he he just. I I, I, I said on Twitter, Brock Heward's a better man than me. <laughs> I could never go up to a coach because well, Zorn. Like, you can go up to Zorn and ask him anything. Yeah, fine. But he he's still the, was in the NFL. He's yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like thirty yeah. seconds after the play, Brock right has up to go to up to, right up to him. And it's like it essentially said, "Can you not do math?" I mean, essentially, could that you was imagine the if this were the NFL and Pete Carroll did something like that? What I would have to say about that, and yet I'm oh. just. I'm just going to joke about it because it's the XFL. Maybe I should. Maybe I should be more competitive about. You blew it, Jim. Well, what are you doing, man? I mean, again, he hasn't had to deal with going for three. You know, I mean, so yeah. he just has, he's been trained his whole life for one and but two. But still, it's kind it's of just the same. math, though. It's not that kind of the same. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Nick Rolovich is uh, is guest one. Jim Zorn is guest two. People may or may not know the name Andrew Brand. I'm I am really. I'm really intrigued by this whole labor situation between the owners oh. and players in the NFL and whether the players are going to take this deal, which I don't think they should. I think it's an awful deal, especially with 13 months to go. Andrew Brandt is kind of a former NFL exec, used to run the Green Bay Packers, was also an agent. Now he's kind of an expert and a teacher. Oh, great. He's going to talk to us about the, the, the differences between the players and the owners in this little uh, collective bargaining uh, session. And then I'm not, this is the first time, I'm not telling you who guest number four is, although it's probably up all over the internet, but I'm not going to tell you who guest number four is because it's a first in Mitch Unfiltered history. The first time this person's been on? No, yes, okay. but that's not what I was talking that's about. That's not the first. You know okay. how I do Athletes of the Week? Oh, sure. Just the, about every the show. The big like slappy it. guy we found. With the, yeah, the big oh, yeah. slapper. We always have somebody yeah. that I that we... And sometimes you jump in and say, this is who it should be. We always find somebody in yep. sports that, that uh, deserves a little recognition. That's in, the, uh, that's in the other stuff segment that we do at the very end, mm-hmm. which we'll do. The, 
this is the first time ever that the athlete of the week is actually on the show. Oh, great. You tracked this person down. Yes. I love it. So instead of identifying him or her, him or her, uh, in the other stuff segment in segment number five, instead of you'll already know who it is because he or she will be in segment number four. I and wait. I think you're going to get a kick out of her. <laughs> oh, God, you did so well at first. He, he or she. Sorry. I think you're going to get a kick out of him or her. <laughs> okay. Well done. Uh, <laughs> I would agree. I hope so, too. Hot Shot Episode 81, not possible without our partners like Zeke's Pizza for so many years. Now, my family has been a huge fan of Zeke's Pizza. With the NCAA tournament coming around the corner, you can rest assured the Levy family will be at one of the 17 fabulous locations for our March Madness house pool. We call it the Dash for the Cash. Don't forget to download the Zeke's Pizza app so that you can have the best Northwest-style pizza and craft beer delivered right to your door. Daniel's Broiler with four locations, including the newest Jewel at the spectacular downtown Hyatt Regency. There simply is no better place in the Pacific North Northwest to celebrate special occasions, birthdays, anniversaries, whatever, USDA prime stakes and the ambiance to match Leshy, South Lake Union, Bellevue Place, the downtown Seattle, Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses, the Kirkland office of Gill Mortgage, 425-250-3150, call it just to see if a refinance makes sense for you and your family with three of the top 1% brokers in the country in the Kirkland office alone. Jordan Flowers has compiled an all-star team that's standing by to save you money. Rates in the threes. And remember, we're not talking about starting your home loan all over. You are making a big mistake if you don't at least explore the possibilities with the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. And Evergreen Golf Call, who's listening to you, Tyler Hayes' team has been responsibly growing Families money for decades in its private wealth management division with offices along the West Coast, Bellevue, Portland, San Francisco, the Napa Valley, and the originator of Evervestment.com, a new program that caters to those of us that don't have the wealth of many of Evergreen's clients. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Episode 81 Hot Shot starts right now unfiltered she bursts onto the scene she wins wimbledon at a really like 16 she wins the u.s open she's pretty she's on every label she's endorsing everything she's tennis's sweetheart you love her and then as the years went on there was a little edge to her she didn't seem very happy she wasn't pleasant in press conferences the personality soured there was kind of an anger to her and then she was suspended from the tour for 16 months for performance-enhancing drugs. Unfiltered. All of a sudden, Russell Wilson has become Charles Barkley, have you noticed? The guy who didn't say anything or tweet anything and always played it down the middle and all of a sudden is talking about tweeting what the Seahawks need to get to become better. He's sticking his neck out. And now this whole vote thing on the CBA. All of a sudden, Russell Wilson is like, Mr. I'm taking a stand and that's it. I'm shedding my, I'm shedding the whole down the middle on the fence stuff. I love it. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 
episode 81, Hot Shot Scott. Episode Daryl Turner. I knew it. That's the only one I could come up with. Craig to Turner. Touchdown, Seahawks. Turner. Oh, yeah. Burner Turner. Burner Turner. 80 yards. Should we stop right there and just give him the show? You can't do better than Daryl Turner, right? Okay. I mean, how how am I going to do better than (laughs) Daryl? Unless I go... Episode Nate Burleson. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a local boy, right? O'Day High School, maybe. No? Yeah, I Was think O'Day. O'Day okay. I think O'Day High School. Not recruited, I don't think, by... By Rick Neuheisel or uh, somebody who was coaching Washington at the time. Great Ended move, up Rick. in Nevada, then came back. The Burleson family. I think he had a brother in the NBA. I think he had a, I mean, I think that whole Burleson family, the father played in the CFL. I mean, it's just yeah, a family right. of athletes. Yeah. And actually, little known fact that nobody cares about, Nate Burleson's son for a long time before he moved and became a big star in TV when they were living in Seattle. He and Brett used to play AAU basketball together. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Nate Burleson. So, so should we stop right? Turner? Should we go Daryl Burleson and just call it a day? Or, <laughs> or Nate Turner? Just call it a yeah, day? Yeah, you might have to. Or do we want to go national like the likes of Carl Eller, Art Monk, Doug Atkins, Dick Knight Train Lane, Tim Brown, or Terrell Ooh. Owens? Terrell Owens was pretty good, wasn't he? Or is it Terrell Owens? Is it Terrell or Terrell? I think I it's Terrell. I remember him correcting Andy Reid at the press conference, which was funny. There you go. Tim Brown was good, are, too. Those, those, are right. your, those are your... Speaking of the NFL, where are you? I know... I don't know... I don't know why I feel a little sensey-poo about admitting this. This isn't like what I admitted on the last patron show, which was I was taken by Mr. Suleiman for tickets to Jerry Seinfeld, <laughs> yeah. which is another story. I've never liked the Combine. The broadcast and and all the coverage of the NFL, it just completely, I don't know what it is. What's the sensi poo part? Well, I'm supposed to be this, well, not anymore. Now I'm just a schlub doing a podcast. But for, for, <laughs> What the hell were you before if you weren't a schlub? I a mean, schlub doing a radio show. Okay, gotcha. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, when you're doing, a, when you're hosting the morning show of a sports radio station in an NFL city, you should be like, and I got to admit, the draft isn't far behind, what I'm about to say. I, I don't know. I just never got into the combines. Watching guys do that. I mean, if you put the combine on the TV out here while I'm sitting around, I will, you, I'll will. i be asleep yeah. You know, five minutes later. It just doesn't do anything. The, the coverage of the combine does nothing for me. Now, that's not to say that I don't perk up. Like when John Ross ran a 4-2. I mean, Washington guy runs the all-time greatest 40. I perked up. When some of these big guys that are 365 pounds run like four seven forties, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, my God, the athleticism in these guys. Yeah, I do perk. But for the mo- 99.99% of it, I couldn't care less. I don't want to know about it. When I'm watching SportsCenter and they go live to McShay and Kuiper at the Combine, boop. Yeah. I'm off to a, an old Seinfeld episode. <laughs> I, I I just have no interest in the NFL Combine, and I feel like, or I felt like doing a radio show that I was supposed to like fake, like, oh, I'm oh. really interested in this. This guy bench pressed 300. And I'm really, yeah. I, I'm a football guy. I'm a sports radio yeah. talk show host. You kind of have to pretend. And I, and by the way, you can talk to me about the Combine. I'm not a huge fan of the draft either. The draft kind of loses me a little bit. The football I like the basketball draft. The football draft and all the rounds and all the mock drafts and nobody's ever right. Yeah. And it, it, Watching it on TV, it takes like five hours to do one round. It's like never ending. Yeah. I, I don't know. Where, where are you on that? I don't love either of them either. It always felt kind of weird to me to be you know, watching people. It feels like I should be private in a way. People getting judged on their 40 time in the yeah. bench press. I, I mean, does that... I would love for someone to do a study to see how how their score 
pans out to their career and like if there's ah. any sort of correlation. Oh, would you like me to do that? See, this was unrehearsed. People are going to think this was rehearsed. This was total. Setup. Oh, is that right? I, well, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll do this for you. I'll tell you that I wondered to myself as I was preparing to say that it bores me. I wondered, OK, why don't we look at the top 40 runners of all time at the combine and ask ourselves the question. So, like, what kind of NFL career do they have? Top forty, uh, just forty times, or, yeah. ever, or just forty times? Yeah, I, mean, okay. I wasn't going to do. I wasn't going to do too much. Well, work I'm going to need this. shuttle runner. I'm out of here. If you don't do <laughs> shuttle runner. By the way, before you get into this, there's only one person on the planet that hates this time of year more than you. Who? That would be Tom Brady. His, oh, his t- picture yeah. comes back out. Yeah. His awful forty time. Yeah. I mean, every. I saw, year. by the way, Russell. <laughs> oh. they, you know what's making the rounds is Russell Wilson's forty at the combine. Have you seen him run the forty? Th- Did you tweet it? I might have. I might have seen. Yeah, it I think so. Yeah. Four point five forty, and he was moving. It's good, yeah. And I just didn't have the heart to tweet what everybody was thinking that no one wanted. What, what, what is everybody thinking when they saw that? Uh, he's not running that 4.5 today. <laughs> is he, he, a little, he a little thicker, a little, a little stiffer? Well, he's gotten hit a lot. I mean, yeah. has anybody gotten hit more since he came into the NFL as a starter than Russell? Yeah. I mean, what, what, put on some muscle, too. He's a little heavier. And... Uh, you know, maybe more than muscle. <laughs> a couple of sandwiches. Anyway, John Ross, 4.22, is the fastest guy in the history of the combine. Yep. Great receipt. What would you give him? I mean, what NFL? I mean, it's, it's incomplete because he's still playing, but is he a great player? I thought he'd be in Canada by now, so no. Chris Johnson. Now, he was a pretty accomplished running back for oh, the yeah. Tennessee Titans. Okay, so that's two. All right. But he didn't have a long career, Chris. He's not like a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but he had a good career based on what yeah, I'm yeah, going to tell yeah. you, some of these other guys. Uh, the second, tied for the second best 40 time in the combine history, Rondell Menendez of the Menendez brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'd find that funny. <laughs> no, he uh, probably wouldn't. Ever heard of him? No. Okay. The no Menendez care. brothers I have, though. Dry Archer, a running back for the Steelers, ran a 4 2 6 in 2014. Ever heard of him? Dry Archer? Yep. Okay. Jerome Mathis, a wide receiver, 4 2 6, 2005. He's been around a little bit. Marquise Goodwin of the 49ers ran a 4 2 7 in 2014. Some guy named Stanford Rout, a defensive back for the Raiders, who, uh, you know, played eight seasons in the NFL. Champ Bailey, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, ran a 4 2 8. Jacoby Ford, a uh, mm-hmm. wide receiver. Jalen Myrick. I mean, yeah. these names are not – this is not the who's who of the NFL, yeah. the guys that perform well at the combines. Yep. So not only is it boring for me to watch, I don't know – I'm not certain how much it means. And you can ex- kind of use that same math for the draft too, right? I mean, we get all excited about the first-round picks, well, but they, yeah. don't, they don't always pan out. I mean, not always, but it, I think more than the combine numbers pan yeah. out. Anyway. I don't. Yeah, didn't, do didn't a Washington lineman get himself in trouble over the weekend? What happened? Remind me what happened. Oh, do you really want me to say this? Well, it's a podcast. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Trey what Adams. Happened? Trey Adams, the left tackle. Left tackle from Wenatchee, Washington. Kind of an all-American. Seventy-two. Did he wear seventy-two? I episode seventy-two. Seventy-two, maybe. So. Yeah. He got hurt. I think yeah. his junior year. Yeah. But then he came back and put. Yeah. Or maybe this is his junior. I don't know. He's yeah. in the NFL Combine. Yeah. Of course he is. Yes. He's, and he was asked if there's anything. That he would want to change. change about his body. Oh, change about his body. Change about his body. And he's in front of reporters. This isn't. Oh, wasn't, yeah, it's all over the world. Right. It's the World Wide Web. That's right. And uh, his response was, uh, he'd like to have a bigger dick. Was what he said <laughs> in front of everybody. And it's like, wow. You're trying to. Did he, did he really say? He, There's was, video of it. Well, I mean, you probably don't want to post it, but you, you're welcome to go find it yourself, everybody. I mean, I know he's making a joke, but you're there to convince billionaires 
to bring you into their world and pay you a lot of money. Eh, maybe a little more couth at that point, right? Yeah, not the greatest. I'm sure there's an agent somewhere going, oh, right. are you trying to make my life difficult? Right. We want to get you drafted high? I, I don't know. Again, I'm not it a, had to be a Washington guy. Uh, of course. It had, it had to be. Husky. Yeah, <laughs> a guy from Wenatchee showing his true colors right there. God. Uh, all right. Before we finish up, episode, uh, not episode, uh, uh, segment number one, and we go to four great uh, interviews. I really think you're going to like the interviews, especially with our athlete of the week. Who I'm not telling you who he or she is. Uh, and then we'll come back for another stuff segment. You and I have a bunch of stuff to go over. Can I just get a thought uh, out on Tony Romo? <laughs> Tony Romo, $17 million a year to be a broadcaster next to Jim Nance of CBS. Can I, do we need to say, I think I might have to say that again. Tony Romo has agreed to a contract that will pay him $17 million a year to be a broadcaster for CBS. Is he that good? I mean, first of all, should a broadcaster ever make that kind of money? Well, I was going to ask, what do you? Th- if you had to guess, I'm sure you don't know. What does Jim Nance make a year? Well, Jim Nance, but he does not, more than the NFL. Uh, way more. Yeah. I mean, he's CBS's guy. Okay. You know, Tony Romo is kind of an NFL season guy, and that's it. He comes in the NFL season. You know, Jim Jim Nance goes and does the NCAA basketball tournament. He does all their golf. I mean, he works probably 35 weeks a year. Is he making $17 million a year, Jim Nance? No! No way! Really? No, it's- Tony Romo's now the highest paid... Oh. I would say the highest paid, well, in sports. I don't know. I don't know what some of these... News guys, I don't, I don't, I don't know. What oh, that's all. Yeah, guys. that's a whole different world. Whole different, Those guys are you know, on the, five days a week. Howard Stern is a hundred million dollars a year. At least he was. Yeah, he I mean, was Letterman five was five year, five hundred million. Letterman was thirty three million a year, something like yeah. that. Yeah, but, but that's seven, a Daily Show. Tony Romo, yeah. how many games does he do? Have you thought about it that way? Does he do preseason? He probably does one or two preseason. Let's not think about preseason. Okay, I think they do Thursday night. They might do Thursday night. So he might do two games a week, not one game a week. He might do a Thursday night game. Uh. And then a Sunday game. Well, the money's justified then. <laughs> that one extra day of work. So let's say he does 34 games, I mean, $17 million, and it's a five- or six- or seven-year contract, all because they thought ESPN was coming in to offer him a crap load of money to be uh, Monday. He's a free agent. Monday Night Football. They wanted him to be the Monday Night Football guy. Interesting. So CBS proactively said, here's $17 million a year. He's, Everybody gets it. Like, when I told that to my son, he was like, well, he predicts the plays before they happen. Right. That's what Max said. Yeah. And I'm like, what? He said, you don't know that? That's Tony Romo's claim to fame, That's Dad. Thing, he yeah. predicts the plays yeah. before they happen. Yep. At some point, Based he's on formation. But at some point, he's going to be out of the league for like 10 years, and the offenses are going to pass him by, and I don't know if that little trick's going to work anymore. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, when I saw it, I was happy for my friend who coached him up to, to be a broadcaster. Your friend who coached him up to be a broadcaster? That's right, because bef- when he was trying to transition from football to the booth, he needed talent coaching. And so my friend Tony Martinez, who coaches talent for a living, got the call. Tony lives in Dallas, and I'm guessing Tony... Well, Tony Martinez lives in Dallas. Yeah. He's based out of there, and I guess Tony yeah. Romo apparently lives there too. Well, why don't we get Tony Martinez on the podcast? Yeah. Call him right now if you'd like. But no, he worked with him. He's well, with- why can't I get Tony Martinez to work with Hotshot Scott? <laughs> I refuse. All these years? I refuse. I don't, I'm uncoachable at this point. <laughs> yeah, but he worked for the Forza Racing Championship too, Tony Martinez. Really? That, that's how I know him. Does he get some sort of a – he wouldn't get it. 
Well, I texted him. I said, D- are you getting a cut of this? He goes, I, uh, I texted Tony Romo and uh, crickets ever since I texted him. Yeah. So, Tony, I've never seen him in my life. <laughs> right. He didn't want to know from my friend anymore. <laughs> Thanks for your help, buddy. But Tony uh, Romo's agent did the right thing. There's a lot of buzz about him. People think he's the greatest broadcaster in the history of the world. So they, they struck. Yeah. You know, I watch all these games like everybody else. And most people complain about buck and they complain about nance and they complain about aikman it seems like they complain about everything oh yeah and you know I, I don't know that my ears perk up when tony romo's doing it i guess i never realize he predicts the plays before they happen yeah but i, I don't know I, he's okay when i saw the number 17 million i literally almost fainted <laughs> i could not believe that anybody would pay. Yeah. And that's got to be more than he ever made as a football player. Got to be more than he ever made as a football Why? And he's making more than mo- like 99.9999% of football players. Should a should a, a broadcaster be making more than the guys that they're talking about? Well, there's starting players in the NFL that were tweeting out, I'm quitting and I'm going to broadcasting. Yeah, it's like, not that easy. Why, Tony Martinez may not help you. That's right, if you need it. But it's like, why am I busting my ass when I can go sit in a booth and make more than I make now? Why you know what I, Tony Romo says, if I, if I didn't have, if I hadn't gone with Tony Martinez, it'd be $25 million a year. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jason Witten also went with Tony uh, Martinez uh, and then he went back to football, I think, at some point. <laughs> Nick Rolovich, the brand new head coach of the Washington State Cougars, the brand new head coach of your Seattle Dragons of the XFL, Jimmy Zorn, will be on episode 81. A really fine uh, discussion. I think if you don't really understand collective bargaining agreements and players versus owners and why Russell Wilson is saying no, 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 and Richard Sherman saying no, 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 and and if you, I think we dumb it down pretty well. I think this 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 segment it's not sexy. Maybe not as sexy as Rolovich, the funny Rolovich and Jim Zorn and and my athlete of the week who's <laughs> after that. But I think it's really inf- – I think you'll find the Andrew Brandt discussion because he's a former agent. He's a former league executive. Yeah. He's been on both sides. He's been following these types of negotiations all his life. I think you'll find that conversation if you give it a chance. Don't flip through it. Give it a chance. Uh, very enlightening. And then after our athlete of the week comes on for the first time ever, you and I will do some other stuff. I like it. CBA for dummies. That's what I can use. If you're ever looking for a spot to have great pizza and a fantastic selection of craft beer and a comfortable place to watch sports, Zeke's Pizza is now all over it. Nothing quite like a nice summer's evening with a cherry bomb or Puget Pounder and an ice-cold craft beer at one of the Zeke's Pizza locations, and you'll be supporting a very important partner of Mitch Unfiltered. If you're home and not in the mood to go out and you want some Northwest-style pizza craft beer delivered to your door, Zeke'sPizza.com. It's fast. Fast and easy. No third-party delivery service. Zeke's Pizza representatives arrive at your door. If you're ever looking for a good spot to take your youth baseball team after a big game with lots of tables and a staff that bends over backwards to make that lunch or dinner just right for the team and some of the parents, Zeke's Pizza is another opportunity. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Hawaii Bowl. Thrill 
thrilled to continue episode 81 with the brand new head football coach of the Washington State Cougars, Nick Rolovich. Great to visit with you, Coach. Thanks for being on Mitch Unfiltered. Well, thanks for uh, having me on. Excited about this. Well, let's get immediately to the brass tacks because I've got a lot of hard-hitting questions for you. And right at the very top, I want to know the list of reasons to leave Hawaii for Pullman. How high was the fact that you don't like to wear sunscreen on that list? (laughs) (laughs) You've heard that somewhere. I like to cover up. It's not that I don't protect myself from the sun. I just, I don't don't dig on sunscreen. So um, I'll be covered up here a little bit more, I think. Is it the consistency? Is it when it gets on your hands? What what is it about sunscreen? Well, consistency, probably, you know, then you're, lathered up the whole rest of the day and i don't know you know it probably restricts my natural pheromones oh i see okay <laughs> I, 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 I was gonna ask about all the hats but i okay. but i read that i'd be treading on thin ice because your hat fetish is no joking matter you said you can say that i stink at coaching or that I'm an odd-shaped individual. This is a tweet of yours. You can say that my antics have don't have a place in college football, or you can have an inner hatred towards hairy men. All that's fine, but when you start making fun of my hats, that's what gets you blocked on Twitter, right? I, I, I confirm I tweeted that. <laughs> <laughs> Where does it start? Where does the heart that the hat stuff start? Give us the give us the lowdown. No, I. I I've always somewhat liked hats. I think it's really heated up the last couple of years. Um, I think it started because every practice I wore a hat at Hawaii, and that's where the interviews were done. So the the visuals people got was a hat. And then there's a real creative guy in Hawaii who made that uh, uh, kind of a logo with the hat. And, yeah. and it's, you know, you get into branding, you get into marketing, you get into all that stuff. And then really kind of, you know, it has started since I became a Coug, you know, kind of started with the hat and, and the look and all that. So I'm good with it. Right. I just want to win football games. Yeah. If the hat helps me. I th- the hat doesn't help me win football games. I, I can shave my head again. My, my sense is, is that the Coug Nation will love your hats when you win and will hate your hats <laughs> when, you lo- when you lose, right? Is that the way it works? Well, that's okay. That's okay. They want to win and lose. I mean, the passion of this fan base is something I didn't, I didn't expect. You know, I, I knew taking a jump to the Pac-12, there was going to be an increase in, in, in a lot of things. But I don't think – I think this place is special to people who experience it, and I think that leads to the, the, the passion of, of the fan base. It, it, I really just didn't expect it to be at this level. And I love coaching for a place that has as much passion for not only its football team, for everyone in the, in the Coug nation. I mean, it's, it seems like, and I, and I do like, you know, lifting all the boats, you know, supporting everybody. And there, there's a real family atmosphere here that, that I think fits with a lot of my values. Well, if you didn't realize that the passion existed like you do now, I guess a fair question would be how difficult of a decision was it to make the transition to change or is it a no-brainer because it's a chance to be a head coach in the Pac-12 how does that work well that that's that's part of it you know I when I first I knew maybe 17 years ago that I wanted to be the head coach at Hawaii someday and when when I got there you know it goes so fast and you start rolling then after a few years you're like is is this 
is this what am I going to do this as long as I can at Hawaii? You you really have it's really it was really a good example of looking for uh, a new challenge, a new goal, you know. And 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 I, I think people and and we all know this. It doesn't have to be a football coach. You you evolve through life, and you you if you're a competitive person looking to challenge yourself and better yourself, and it wasn't just any opportunity opportunity as far as you know i can't wait to get off this tropical island with great weather and and good people right you know it wasn't one of those but it was it was such i i learned more and more through the process that it was such a good fit for myself and my family how how upsetting how difficult was it when norm chow didn't retain you when he became the head coach the the fear of not having of of having two young kids and no job is the hardest part you know and but he he was. He, he didn't disrespect me. He didn't. You know. He didn't. He he told me this will be good. And and I've heard multiple coaches, coaching veterans, that say if you can survive your first firing, you can make it in this business. And I hope it's my last. But it, it's something that's part of the business. I think as a coach, it's easier. I think you really need to look out for your kids, your your wives, your spouses, how they have to handle it also it's not just the individual who was the coach i mean when you're when you're involved in college athletics the whole family is is really committed to that identity and you know you, you just get that taken away i think it's you ha- you have to at least be uh conscious of of the rest of your family members and how they have to deal with it also because they got friends at school yeah, you know yeah Going back to your quarterbacking days, what was more fun, quarterbacking the NFL Europe team or in the AFL, the Arena Football League? Mm, probably NFL Europe because I was, I didn't play as much in the Arena League as I had hoped to. So I, I, I enjoyed, you know, you have a lot of friends, you know, that in college I am when you study abroad, you know, and you, with, when you're an athlete, you don't have that opportunity. So I think it allowed myself to to get out and. It's not like I backpacked across Europe, but you got to go to different countries. You yeah. got to yeah. hear different languages, try different foods, see different places. I don't know the problems with the league. I thought it was a good league for the development of players and also the development of people. Which was better, the Spears or Elvis impersonator that you took to conference media day, Coach? I think Elvis. Okay. Because it kind of kicked it off. Okay. What? He was pretty good. What are you um, do? What are you doing for your first Pac-12 media day? Or aren't you telling? I don't. Me? I don't know. I, I got to see how tight everybody is at this thing. I might. I might have to go through it and and just kind of observe first time. Yeah. Who knows? And I'll tell you what. The fortune teller. I wasn't going to do anything last year, and then at the very last second, I said, "Oh, let's get a fortune teller to." And, then, and I don't. You know, because the media. I think the the polls were coming out. Yeah. And, I said, well, let's let her tell us who's going to finish where, and uh, uh, that was a good one. Do I need to come over from Seattle to Pullman on Thanksgiving for your turkey outfit, or are you not going to wear it in the Pac-12? I hope it gets packed uh, packed up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not here yet, but it's, it's always good to have a, a few costumes ready for <laughs> spontaneous creative situations. Uh, let's talk about the run-and-shoot, the old run-and-shoot sure. offense that you bring to the Pac-12. A lot of us who are old enough have been watching that offense off and on for years, Mouse Davis, Jerry Glanville. I I think our listeners and myself, to be honest, would love to hear what the basic principles are. I know what, one running back, four wide receivers, a lot of pre-snap motion. When it works, like it did with Andre Ware and David Klingler and Colt Brennan, why does it work? And, And when it went away and it doesn't work, why doesn't it work, if that makes sense? 
it works if you get complete belief and unselfishness by especially the receivers because it's not I can't I tell them I can only call one play to make sure you get the ball and that's you know the wide receiver screen the main I would think thought process is well first you, you know, unselfish and smart receivers who can run but in general an aggressive common sense mentality where Again, there's a lot of post-snap adjustment to routes. It'll look awful most of the spring, if not all this spring. But they have to battle through it and keep going and, and keep growing with it. I think one of the, the underrated things I like about it is it really relies on personal relationships. So if you're in a two-by-two set for receivers, you know the two receivers on each side really have to be brothers and not their individual route, they have to be uh, aligned in a concept. And um, there's a lot of nonverbal communication, but there's a lot of, you know, let's say in practice, the plays over, okay, you know, and, and really encouraging that from the coaching staff. All right, what did you see? What did you guys see here? How you can help each other? And and one thing that, that I think I've said before that, that I think reigns true, the receiver on the far right has to have as much passion and intensity to do his job and quite possibly score a touchdown for the receiver on the far left as if he was going to score the touchdown. So I I do think there's a lot of, and there's a lot of personal development and and belief in in all football schemes, but this one, uh, and especially at the receiver position who gets, you know, sometimes get a rep as a selfish guy and and, um, a greedy guy. So you got to really coach that up. I always kind of wondered when you've got receivers that are constantly making adjustments based on what they see from the defense, whether you get more more side effects of the, the ball coming out from the quarterback's hand to a different spot, whether you, you see the, the wide receiver and quarterback not on the same page more in a run-and-shoot offense than a typical offense. Well, we tell the quarterback, throw what you see. Oh, I see. Because in, instantly the message is sent. This is what, And that doesn't mean the quarterback's always right, but if I'm a receiver and the quarterback is trying to throw the ball there, I'm going to try to figure out why he wants me there, and next time I'm going to try to be there. So I think it sends a message. It's really important for us to throw what we see. Don't hang on to the ball. It's not made of gold. You know, we want to get the ball out fast. We want to get it to our playmakers. Part of the underrated or not talked about as much part of the offense is is the run game. There's still a physicality element um, in the run game, and then I think the addition of some of the quarterback run game has has really rounded out our offense in a in a in a way that they have to defend a lot of things. I'm curious. You you grew up in the run and shoot, and your experiences with June Jones. You came back to Hawaii as the head coach, and maybe I've got my information wrong. You tell me, but you didn't That's run it. Correct so far. You you didn't run it. You didn't run the run and shoot when you first got back to Hawaii as a head coach. It took you a year or two to change. Why, why didn't you institute it originally, and what led you to do so, Coach? Biggest part was I don't think that we had time to waste. The program hadn't had a ton of uh, success the last four years. I think. The roster element when I got there was to try to use them, use some of the plays, some of the concepts, some of the names, but use the most talented guys on the roster we had. And that was a decision that I don't I don't necessarily regret, but when times got tough, uh, I think the staff, 
mainly uh, Brian Smith, the offensive coordinator, and Craig Stutzman, who was the pass game coordinator at the time and quarterbacks, we felt we had more answers in the run and shoot and more quick answers and which gave our kids a more chance to yeah. to be successful. So we committed to it and, and it's just like I talked about earlier. You have you can't do it halfway. And when Coach Alt hired me at Nevada, you know, to try to blend some of the passing game. You know, I mean, we had some success, but the the identity of that football team was a downhill run, and I thought Hawaii was built that way. Um, when you got there, when I got the job yeah, in twelve yeah. or whatever year that was. Last question. Uh, Fifteen. Last question yeah. before you go. I was watching Seahawks. Where all, obviously everybody in the state, you know, goo goo gaga over our Seattle Seahawks. I'm watching the Seahawks play last exhibition season, and this little kind of slot receiver, slottish receiver struck me, caught my eye. Looked like a young Doug Baldwin. Tell me how good wide receiver John Ursua could be for the Seattle Seahawks after you had him at Hawaii. John Ursua is incredibly talented. Uh, you should see him play basketball. The kid probably could have played point guard for the basketball team also. Wow. You know, mature kid, went on a, on a mission. I'm excited for his future. I hope to get to see him soon. Uh, he's a wonderful individual. Um, he's really got, and, and obviously his talent and for the Seahawks is what people speak about mostly, but you get around John and you're going to see a genuine person who, who's full of love and, and, and is not afraid to work and get better. And uh, I'm excited for him because he, he's electric and he can change a game and he's very competitive. He wants the ball. He wants to be the guy that makes something happen on the football field. Very refreshing, Coach. It's great to visit with you. I can't. What, I can't what's so refreshing? Well, you. You're you're refreshing. Uh -huh. I like the stories. I like the attitude. I like the answers. I'm not oh. necessarily a Washingtonian. I'm not a Washington State guy, but I'll be pulling for you on the other side of the state. I, I guess I'm not okay. allowed to in the Apple Cup. I'm not allowed to pull for you. Well, I'm over here in Seattle, and I know where my bread is buttered. Don't we all know where our bread is buttered? Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> strong man could stand alone in, in the tough times, no, Mitch? Get that turkey outfit over there, all right? <laughs> they, all right, they, have thanks, a good day, bro. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. See you later. There he is, Nick Rolovich, the brand new head coach of the Washington State Cougars. We'll see what he has up his sleeve as he succeeds Mike Leach. Work or live in downtown Seattle? You now have the opportunity to discover Seattle's most unique downtown bar. It's called the Rick House Whiskey Bar, located at the downtown Daniels Broiler in the new Hyatt Regency. The Rick House Whiskey Bar, a secluded IN bar featuring over 150 of the finest spirits from around the world. The Rick House Whiskey Bar has two happy hours from 4 to 6.30 and 9 p.m. to close. You can take $4 off of any of these Daniels classics like filet mignon steak strips, classic steakhouse burgers, bacon wrapped scallops, Dungeness crab legs, fried calamari, and much more. Daniels world-class quality is on display at its happy hours. Experience a world-class downtown bar, the Rick House Whiskey Bar at the new downtown Daniels at the Hyatt Regency. Easy to get to and a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. He's the last person that needs to be introduced to the people of Seattle. You all know Jim. You've adopted him. You love Jim Zorn, and, and we do as well. So I would like to, to ask you all 
to uh, help me give a warm Pacific Northwest welcome to the new head coach of the Seattle XFL team, Jim Zorn. Our next guest is a Seattle legend for lots and lots of reasons, not the least of which quarterbacking exploits a million years ago for our Seattle Seahawks. He's the head coach of the Seattle Dragons, our old friend Jim Zorn. Hey, coach, thanks for joining us. I know Saturday's game didn't finish the way you would have liked, but you seem to be having fun with the Dragons. This is a, a group of guys and coaches and even the league that has made it, uh, you know, really fun. I am having fun. Uh, it's intense. We're, we are one in three, which is awful. And uh, we hope to, uh, you know, t- turn things around. We're close. We just haven't got through some uh, barriers and some, some thresholds uh, that, that will give us that consistent uh, play and, and wins. Other teams uh, seem to be a little ahead of us. Uh, not defensively. I think we're doing pretty well defensively, and our special team's pretty good. Just offensively, just being consistent and um, in execution. But uh, other than that, you know, the, the players are really enjoying it. I think uh, we're embracing the fans, but more than that, the fans are embracing us as a as a group, and, and you know, we're calling Seattle our home. Yeah. I'm not sure if you're a social media guy. In fact, I'm going to guess that you're not. A social media guy, but you were a you were a hot topic over the weekend for going for three points after a touchdown that got your team within four instead of going for one and two. People were trying to understand the complicated genius mind of the old Southpaw Jim Zorn. Huh. <laughs> well, uh, there's there's several. I mean, there's several things in play. One, uh, what what makes the XFL unique is you you have these decisions about extra points one two or three uh and i have gone for one and uh in past games and i've been oh you know we've been oh for four uh-huh. in one point plays and uh then i've gone for two and and uh we've been one for three i believe and now uh in this particular situation uh, I could have gone for one and it would have made it a three point game, but we were not, uh, you know, at that particular time in the fourth quarter, uh, we were, they, they kept moving the ball on us as well. Yeah. And uh, so I wanted to kind of change the kind of a bit of the chemistry, hope, hopefully mom, some momentum. And cause we were moving the ball now offensively. And I wanted to get that game very, very close if they had come back down and uh, scored a touchdown or whatever, uh, I wanted to be in, in striking distance. And uh, so that's why I tried to get just, just closer. Uh, had we, and, you know, uh, people can say what they want, but uh, BJ Daniels drilled one right in the corner, the front corner of the end zone to our receiver. And unfortunately uh, it bounced off his shoulder pads. Uh, but that, you know, I mean, that would have been, I, I think I would still be questioned, even though, uh, <laughs> even though it wasn't worked, I still would have been questioned because yeah, it was a little bit, was a little bit on un, unorthodox, maybe at that particular, at that particular time. Wouldn't be the first time you were called unorthodox, would it? Well, I hope to be, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I want to be sound. I want to be, uh, uh, but I do, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, we're there to, we're there to win. It didn't, uh. Uh, fortunately, it had 
it didn't have an impact on the game at that time uh, by by not scoring it. But but uh, I wish it would have uh, by uh, or you know by us being successful on that on that particular play. There was a lot of other plays that we uh, were successful on, and there were several that we were not. Uh, and th- those are the areas we, we want to clean up and become yeah, more consistent. Yeah. Jim, I've known you for a long time. If I said to you 10 years ago, you'd someday be the coach of a, of a professional football team that's not in the NFL, what would you have said to me 10 years ago? Yeah, I, I couldn't see that happening. And probably in that time, you know, you just had you had the XFL, you had other other uh, uh, and, uh, other uh, pro teams trying to do spring leagues, trying to do arena football and things like that. Yeah, I would have said ah, it's probably not for me. Um, but with this uh, energy and this renewed commitment, if you will, to have a uh, spring football league and it be uh, you know and it actually be in Seattle as well. Uh, it cert- certainly uh, changed my mind. I did a lot of soul searching in in the beginning of all of this because you know I didn't want it to be uh, a, a a pass a kind of league, yeah. but it really is intense, and we've got really good coaches. Uh, we've got uh, an owner who owns all eight teams who wants to be wants to help this league be successful. Right. Uh, I think we've got an excellent motto for the love of football, and there's a lot of people interested in uh, supporting it. It's really been fun. A lot of people are captivated by all these changes and rule shifts and fun things that they're doing. What did I hear? What did I read about your plays being broadcasted and you not even knowing that 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 was the case a couple of games ago? Is that right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Our very first game, I was shocked. You know, they were asking me, how it felt. I was going, well, to be honest with you, I'm kind of shocked, but, uh, you know, they do have, fortunately they have a, a delay. And, uh, you know, if I was to, uh, if I was to say what the, what the play was, uh, the opponent can't hear it before I run the play. So, uh, I think everybody is experiencing that. And, um, you know, whether, uh, you know, whether we're figuring out what to do, you still have to, you still have to run your defense, and so we're kind of paying it, uh, paying it little attention, and just trying to make sure we're uh, we're sound in, in the things we do. But yes, uh, <laughs> it's got to be interesting to the fan to hear a play called, and then actually, you know, if a coach uh, says, "Hey, I want to go screen right," and then actually to have the screen being run to the right, uh, you can see and anticipate uh, how another def- uh, defense is going to defend it. And, and maybe they don't, they're not aware that a screen's coming, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting to see, to see or to listen to the battle of wits and words <laughs> as you, as you're watching the football game. I understand that you only have 25 seconds to get the next play snapped. I'm wondering if the Z man can even think that fast and talk that fast. I, I remember that old federal express commercial where the guy talked really fast. Is that an adjustment for you? I can't, <laughs> I, I can't talk that fast. I guarantee you that. Uh, but, um, I, I, uh, try to be very clear, uh, and clarity is, uh, really important. And what the other interesting factor in this, uh, in this 25 seconds and then calling the plays every, uh, offensive player. So the quarterback, the receivers, the tight ends, and running backs all have headsets 
in their helmets. So I can, and, and they don't cut me off. So in that 25 seconds, I, I not only, I can call the play, I could ask the receiver, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What are you doing for dinner tonight? <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. I could talk to them the entire the entire time. Now, I try to stay quiet because I, you know, I'm hoping these guys want to concentrate. But, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic to call the play and say, hey, listen, you know, this is a, blitz, this is a heavy blitz down. So, uh, you know, watch for – watch for whatever yeah. and uh yeah you know the guys will have the opportunity to do it jim zorn's on the zeke's pizza hotline the kickoffs have gotten a lot of attention jim and i know that the nfl it's been a source of consternation what to do with the kickoffs guys getting hurt changing the rules teams just taking a fair catch or, or putting a knee down on the ground do you think that this uh this this new kickoff format for you guys will have legs? And do you think maybe the NFL will see anything that the XFL is doing and say, hmm, maybe we should consider doing something like that? They, they may, but they, they don't necessarily have to. They, they might find a different way to um, gain, gain a play out of, uh, out of the kickoff and kickoff return. I think uh, uh, the way that we have it set up, it, uh, and I was kind of warning everybody in the beginning when they first watched it, it could look like it's gimmickry, uh, especially when you watch the very first play of an XFL game because yeah. because of 10 guys lined up five yards from each other. Uh, and then when, and they can't move until the kick is touched. And so um, there's a few other uh, limiting factors uh, uh, in that. It makes the play interesting, but what um, what's, unique about it is the XFL has listened to, I think fans uh, wanting to make sure that they're, that, that each play is a play and the kickoff sometimes because these guys have real strong legs, they can kick it out of the end zone. And then the, you know, if they do kick it uh, inbounds uh, for a return, there's some, there are some major collisions, but uh, uh, you know, in our game, the, the it is a full speed play and you don't have you know there are some uh some good tackles uh our kickers have been uh very good um getting the ball down there our coverage team oh, uh, even in that five yard area can get a pretty good hit on a on a returner uh so it's an exciting it's an exciting play that uh has been put back into the game yeah. that uh doesn't necessarily uh, have have a lot of teeth in the NFL right now. Jim, uh, you talked about not being where you want to be through four games. Give me give me an honest assessment of the quality of play in the league as a whole. How would you, let's say, compare the quality of play game by game to, say, the college national championship game? Yeah. The best, the very, very best college football teams, two teams play versus what we're seeing week to week from the XFL. Yeah, I think that we're seeing um, that uh, uh, barring that team that has five first-round draft choices, but a, a, a college, an NCAA team, uh, they may have a couple of premium players that can really uh, change the aspect of a game. But uh, also, um, uh, I think in the XFL, uh, given the opportunity of study and knowing who these guys are, I think an, uh, the coaching staff can put players in situations to take those uh, premium players out of the game. Uh, and also, 
you know, not at every, I think at every position, there is a sense of uh, being sound and there is a sense of ability. There's, n- there's nobody in the XFL that hasn't earned the right uh, to be there. Now, whether it's uh, NFL caliber, uh, the, so a lot of these players have actually either spent some time with NFL teams or uh, have been cut by an NFL team and maybe cut before they've had the chance to develop. So, you know, I would say some of these players are still developing and may get a chance again to go to go to an NFL team. Um, so I would say uh, we compare very well. I think it would be hard to defeat an XFL team from an NCAA uh, team. But again, uh, the you know, how do you compromise on the rules and the, the timing and yeah. all that kind of stuff? Uh you know, that'd be an interesting, uh, that would be an interesting affair to say the least. Jim, I, I think, I think oh, the talent, I think the talent, I was just going to mention the talent and the, the coaching staffs, especially, I think are, uh, are, have a lot of experience. And so there is a lot of sophistication already in our league that you may not, you may not be able to have in the uh, NCAA because of the 20 hour rule in it in college football. Jim, I I read an opinion article a couple of mornings ago which stated that the league's biggest issue and problem is the quarterback play, that there just aren't enough high-quality quarterbacks on the earth to place three on 32 NFL teams and then more in the XFL. Was that fair? Is that fair to say, or is that an unfair statement? Well, I think, uh, uh, I don't know if uh, fair or unfair. I would just say, as I observe it, what happened, uh, I think, this year, and I don't know if it was the XFL, but I think um, because of the history of uh, quarterbacks getting nicked up, if you will, uh, NFL teams have kept a third quarterback. More NFL teams have kept a third QB than in years past, in my opinion. And uh, I think that's really helped uh, players uh, or quarterbacks especially who haven't had the chance to gain experience in a quarterback room on a team, you know, they, they have the opportunity to improve themselves. And then, uh, so from, from that standpoint, it does keep some of the better backup QBs or the better number threes out of our league. And, uh, some of those guys could, could really aid, uh, by becoming, you know, starters in our league. But, you know, you look at, uh, Landry Jones, He's playing really well for Dallas. Josh Johnson is, yep. has been playing well. There's a bunch of guys in here that are in this league that uh, either uh, haven't had sustaining power, if you will, in the uh, NFL who are getting uh, better opportunities to gain experience in the XFL. So there may not have been that uh, initial talent, but these guys are running, uh, are running the offenses fairly well. And uh, it's proving to be more uh, the the ability of guys being able to move around a little bit and scramble because you know plays break down. Uh, yeah. In, in this league as well as the NFL, you know, guys that can move seem to have a little advantage. So I'll finish with this: How does an offensive guy like you? or anyone else around the league, manufacture some exciting offensive football if, let's say, the quarterback play is a little bit less than stellar? Yeah, I I think that uh, we continue to uh, improve uh, 
the the mix, if you will, uh, where in the discipline of that quarterback, I think uh, the guys that we have here, and I've only stayed with two QBs. A lot of other teams have three quarterbacks. Um, Keenan Reynolds is my designated third quarterback, hmm. and and he can move around as well, and he can throw it. But um, I just have to keep developing uh, the uh, quarterbacks that I have here and keep uh, creating uh, a simple yet, uh, you know, a, a simple but uh, maybe um, uh, attacking sort of a plan that give, give them the opportunity not only to show their talent but to play the, the uh, quarterback position the way it should be played. There's a little discipline that has to go along with it. It's not just, uh, you know, take the ball and, and heave it. It's, there's, some, there's some rhythm. There's some timing. And, uh, you know, that's what, I'm, that's what I hope to continue to develop so that we have uh, – so we can develop a, uh, a sense of uh, not – you know, uh, our, our war cry is always uh, being – you know, having the knowledge and um, the ability of a play – uh, and know it so well that you can't make a mistake. You, you know, everybody's everybody's working together to do the right thing. And that's kind of where we're trying to head. It's great to hear your voice, Jim, and I'm so happy for you that you're enjoying yourself on the sidelines. It's fun to turn on the TV at this time of year, see football, and, and more particularly see Jim Zorn roaming a Seattle sidelines. That's awful fun for a lot of us. Mitch, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that our our team can be uh, worthy of watching and uh, and supporting as we uh, as we continue to improve. Thank you, Coach. All right, man. Always fun catching up with Jim Zorn, the XFL Seattle Dragons, out to a somewhat disappointing one and three start. Let's see where they go from here. More and more Northwest people are calling Jordan Flowers in the Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage when a hotshot buddies took the time to make the call. So stop procrastinating and continuing to pay more each month on your mortgage. The Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage will do a deal that keeps you right where you are now in your loan. No starting the 30-year period over, but get you a refinance, getting you out of the mortgage insurance, which is costly. And also, pull some money out to do those home improvements that you've always wanted to do. There's only one thing that you can't be doing, and that's just sitting there, unwilling to, at the very least, make a 10-minute phone call to find out your options. There are three of the nation's top 1% brokers in the Kirkland office alone of Guild Mortgage. Here's your phone number, 425-250-3150. Again, 425-250-3150. Just take seven minutes. Call Jordan and say, can you reduce my monthly mortgage? Can you do something for us? The worst thing that can happen is after 10 minutes or so, you find out you can't do better than you're doing now. The flip side is you pay less each month with a refinance of your home from Guild Mortgage and the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Give them a call, 425-250-3150, the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Unfiltered. The idea is to have a 17-game regular season, to have expanded playoffs. You'd have seven teams per conference and increased revenue share for the players, more benefits, more more benefits to retirees, higher minimum wages for current players. So this is a games-for-money trade that the owners are making here, and so the owners have passed their side of the deal. We're looking for the players to vote on this uh, in the next one to two days, and if so, you might see some changes starting this upcoming league year. 
Episode 81 continues. NFL player team reps have placed the owner's latest proposal in the hands of the masses. And joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline to explain the likelihood of a deal getting done now versus later and whether this is even a good deal for the players is former NFL executive, former player agent, columnist for the MMQB, been around labor talks and negotiations forever, the the business of sports podcast, my old friend Andrew Brandt. Great to have you on Mitch Unfiltered. Andrew, thank you. Mitch, always a pleasure. Happy to do it. So here we are. Owners want 17 games and a couple extra playoff teams amidst a 10-year span, which I'll ask you about. But many of the highest-paid stars have spoken out against players that are in the vast majority, the rank and file, whose careers are three and a half years on average. are not talking much. What do you think is going to happen, Andrew? Yeah, I wish I knew the answer to that question. What I've been trying to do in various forms, including here, is really explain what I see as a, a potential inequities of this deal. And it is not sent to the full populace, Mitch, with a ringing endorsement. And by that, I mean there are several steps to getting it ratified by the players. Number one, the executive council has to give whatever they think of it. That's an 11-man group assigned to lead the players from the union's perspective. And they voted six to five, and reports are even seven to four against against recommending this deal. Yet, it went to the 32 player reps, and the vote we hear is 17 to 14 with one abstention to send it to the full populace. So it will go there because all they needed was a simple majority to get it to the full populace of players, and all the players need is a simple majority to pass it. But as I say, this is not a ringing endorsement for this deal. And I just we can talk about some of the inequities I see as we go here, but I just don't think this is the right way to go into a 10 or 11 year deal with lukewarm endorsement from the player reps and a negative reaction from the executive council. Were you surprised on the 17 to 14 that this ever ended up in the hands of the masses? Well, I think their their protocol allows it. So I guess I'm a little surprised that it did even pass a majority with the player reps when you had this vote against from the top tier. So, and, and then I should say there's a tier kind of above the executive council, which is union leadership, who negotiated this deal. So they, DeMaury Smith, Eric Winston, certainly want this deal to pass. Mm-hmm. But the tier right below them, supposedly the maybe even above them, has decided, no, we don't like this deal. And then with the player reps... You know, it's just two votes right there. Two votes the other way, and it never reaches the masses. But as we just said, it's going to reach the masses. And now we'll see. You know, I think the characterization of this being very favorable for the rank and file is a little too stereotypical. And the characterization that stars made their money, they don't, they can fight it, and rank and file players need the money. Right. Again, a stereotype. I've been around players my whole career. There are rank and file players against this deal. 
to say, well, you know, you get 100000 extra if you vote for this deal, you should vote for it. That's too simple. It's too simplistic. And I know 100000 is a lot of money, but they need to look deeper through this deal, and that's up to the leaders to take them through this. Well, let me, let me ask you a few questions. Andrew Brandt, who knows way more about this than me and the next 20 people combined, uh, full disclosure, I always tend to fall on the side of the players in these types of negotiations and discussions, and, and I'm, I'm sure I'm ignorant to a lot of the facts, but I'll just throw a couple of them at you that I, I just don't – I don't like this deal. I don't, I don't like the timing of this deal. Why? For, let's start right there. Why do a deal now if you're the players? No, no matter what's on the table, aren't the owners in kind of a pickle trying to do new TV deals? Why do this right now if you're the players? It's a great question, Mitch, and let me just say that you just said something, and I think I need to sort of disclose me. I've been on both sides, so I've been an agent for 10-plus years. I was a team executive negotiating contracts for the Packers for 10-plus years, and now I help out. Some people may know this super entrepreneur, Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk started a sports agency, so I'm kind of on the agent side again, but I don't look at it as... I'm or anyone is pro player, pro owner. I look at it as I've got insights, hopefully, that very few people have. And to me, the best deal is an equitable deal. I don't know a better way to say it. Fair is kind of a nebulous concept. Equitable. And I think there are parts to this deal that are inequitable. And no deal is ever good when it's inequitable. You may think it's good if you're the if you're on the good side, but it'll come back to bite you. It will. I knew when I did player contracts where I got over on agents and players, I felt good for the first, you know, few minutes or first few hours, like I just made a great deal. But it came back to bite me. It always did. Players unhappy, agents unhappy. I lose the relationship. I f- I feel like I took advantage of people. Okay, so you don't want to be the owners on an inequitable deal. And that's my point. So let me tell you what I think is inequitable. You mentioned it right away. 10 years, there's a report it's even 11 years through the 2030 season. That's way too long. Way too long. The economics are all going to change. The, the the two areas where I think are going to be vastly different today in five years than today are gambling revenues and biometric data. That's all going to change. The economics of TV, which we'll talk more about, are, is vastly going to change. We don't know if Yahoo or Google or YouTube or Twitter is going to be the main partner or a side partner. Or, I mean, why not reassess? Andrew, how about gambling money? The new money from gambling enterprises. I know. And so what the owners are saying, well, you just get your share of the a cap. You know, we have a revenue split. And I don't think it's that simple. I mean, right now there's a deal with Caesars Palace. Do, do the players get part of that? I don't think they do. And these are all questions. You know, I've seen the deal points. It says loose language about gambling revenue. I, I would like to lower a lot more than that. But I know I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, Mitch. Let me say what the owners are trying to do here. They're trying to put the fear into players to get this done now, where there's kind of a, a narrative out there that if they don't do the deal now, we're headed towards Armageddon. Right. 
and a lockout and missed games. But I'm scratching my head like you are, and I say, wait a minute. This deal's got a year left. Yeah. What lockout? Yeah. If it's a lockout, it's in March of 2021. And if there's missed games, it's in September of 2021. So where's the fire? So I just don't understand the fear of getting it done now because, like we just talked about, the owners need a TV deal. And the TV deal, the TV networks are saying, get your house in order on the labor side because we don't want to jump in and have a lockout next year. So the players have that bit of leverage, and that leverage is not going away until the NFL does the TV deals, and they can't do the TV deals without the player deal. Andrew, the... the the players and teams, they sign four- and five-year contracts. Other leagues, uh, maybe I'm wrong because I don't follow it as closely as you do, I think that their labor agreements are, you know, four, five, six, and I've got four, but five, six, seven years. Why, should, why shouldn't the players say, hold on a second, we, we sign deals with your teams for five years. Other leagues do five and six years. Why are we doing a 10-year deal? Especially, I'm assuming there's got to be opt-outs here, right? Or, or are there no opt-outs in this proposal? That's the problem, zero. Now, they're just finishing up a 10-year deal with no opt-outs, which shocked me to begin with. To try to impose that again and again, it may be an 11-year deal. To me, that is one of those things where I say, come on, owners, Really? Because the the trade, the, you know, of the 50 deal points, let's bury it down to two. One, 17 games. Two, the revenue split. First, the revenue split. Before 2011, we were basically at a 50-50 deal. Right. The owners clawed back. And you know why they, you know how they got to do that? They had an opt-out right. Right. <laughs> from the previous deal. Right. That's how they got to do it. Remember this opt-out thing? Well, the owners got one. Why wouldn't the players get one? And where are we now? 53-47, something like that? Exactly. The new deal keeps the 47 in 2020, which to me, again, how would the players enter in a new deal and not get a percentage increase right away? And raises it to 48 in 2021 or 48-5 if it goes to 17 games, which I expect it will. And that's great. That's great. Congratulations to the players for getting a point and a half by year two of the deal. That's great. I'm not being sarcastic. That's great. The problem is that's it. That's it. You got nine years left. That's the increase. It never gets higher. It should slide so that it's 50-50 at the end, right? That's my point. Now, you talk to the players, they would say, we tried. <laughs> now, listen, okay, but you're giving up how many times have we heard from players, no way in God's green earth will we play more than 16 games, and it's disingenuous for owners to ask for that while they say health and safety is important. Yet here we are. And if you're going to say, well, we had to do it to get a, a business deal, I'm like, all right, you sacrifice your body. There's really nothing in it for anyone but the owners on these 17 games. But if you got to do it, get a great deal. They didn't get a great deal. So, listen, 17 games is a money grab. There's no other way to sort of put this, right? Right. I mean, how do you rationalize an extra game of inventory 
when we know the brutality of the sport. So what, and they get a point and a half that stops after year two. It's just not enough. Yeah. Especially 13 months away. It's it's not enough if we were at the deadline and we were looking at a lockout tomorrow. It certainly isn't enough at this point in time, right? You got to consider that. Right. I would say this would be a good deal for the players if if we had the exact same deal and no increase from 16 games, or we had the exact same deal and an opt-out after three or four years. Neither of those are true. <laughs> because you don't give players any upside in this deal. Yeah. You know, they're locked in. And again, owners would say, well, they get their 48.5% of all the new revenues. It's going to be great. And I'm like, it's not that simple. Why can't they be equal partners like they were before 2011? And again, you don't really hear much from yeah. that question. Well, well, it's uh, you know I, what I think. What I what I think is going through my mind, and therefore probably all the other listeners listening to this podcast right now, and you're listening to the voice of Andrew Brandt, is it, it feels like what you're saying is the NFL players are kind of prisoners of the last deal that they did. That they did a really shaky last deal. They should have never done it for 10 or 11 years. It should have been a better deal. And so the starting point is way too low. The starting point should be higher for the players. Yes. Now let me take you back. 2006, I'm running the Green Bay Packers. The league calls us and explains the new CBA. And our response was, what's in it for us? <laughs> you know, the players got a great deal. They got a great deal. And the 2007 and 2008 caps spiked. It was a great time for players. Because, and, and because it was, the owners exercised their opt-out and clawed back mm -hmm. and made an aggressive stance against this union leadership in 2010. And we had a lockout. And we had court dates where I stood in front of these courts for ESPN tried to explain to the country what was going on, and lo and behold, the Court of Appeals ruled for the owners, and the lockout was not going to be lifted anytime soon. The players came in hat in hand the night before training camp, 2,000 players en masse into these training camps, mm -hmm. and the deal was done hurriedly and hastily. Mm. Mm. And here we are. Yeah. And they want to impose a new deal, that brings the 47 up to 48.5, okay, good, but doesn't allow for stair steps to 50-50, locks them in for 11 years, doesn't address franchise transition tag, nominal increases in minimum spending, nominal change in commissioner discipline, gets rid of marijuana testing, basically, okay, that's an easy give, gives them more time in the off-season and less padded practices, again, easy give by the owners, so these are the kind of things where you look at it and say, hmm, mm. just not an equitable deal. All right, Andrew Brandt, you've been great. Uh, in our remaining moments, do me a favor, and maybe only for me, but maybe there's another two or three people that wonder the same thing. This pot, this, this quote, 
pot of money that's 53.47 does that include everything do all dollars go in there or are there are there other dollars that the owners don't throw in the pot and they put in their pockets to begin with it's not all again 47 percent is not really 47 percent and I don't know the full extent of what are the carve-outs. That's the the phrase we use, okay, carve-outs. Okay, carve-outs. Yeah, what are but, they? We don't know what they are? I know one for sure. Okay. Stadium naming rights. Okay. Okay, yeah. so Lincoln Financial, Century, I mean, none of that goes to players. Zero. And my understanding is some of the premium seat revenue, whether it be suites or club seats, is not shared by the players. Why isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, again, these are these are questions that sort of have always been that way. And these are things that owners have been able to impose their will uh, in, in these deals. Really interesting stuff. And we have no guess on how it's going to turn out. You know, maybe the players are going to take this deal 13 months from when they have to. I, I never thought it would end here. I never thought it would get to this point. So I guess I, I shouldn't be surprised if the players as a whole say yes to this. We'll find out. I mean, it's the what I'm told is the lawyers are crossing the T's and dotting the I's for presentation to the full player group. Again, 18, 1900 players. All they need is a simple majority. I just hope, Mitch, that they're all talking to their player reps. Again, 17 of the 32 supported the deal. Right. Uh, and really getting a handle on what this is about. Yeah, yeah. I don't think player it behooves players to sort of you know check in from vacation and say, oh, that sounds good, let's yeah. go. Um, yeah. The other thing that's the obvious point here, but it needs to be made, most players affected by this deal, most are not, are not in the NFL right now. So you're talking about affecting players now in college and high school, because it's a 10-year deal. The number of players that are going to be around at the end of this deal that are currently in the NFL is a handful, just a handful. So they are affecting the rights of so many thousands of future players with this deal because of its length. Players that are going to come into the league and go out of the league before another deal is done. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of Andrew Brandt, you really should follow him, especially at this time on Twitter. You can do so at Andrew Brandt. That's Andrew and then B-R-A-N-D-T. You've always been nice to me back in my DC days, back in my radio days here in Seattle. Now on the podcast, I am forever appreciative. Thank you, Andrew. It's great to hear your voice again. Likewise, Mitch. Take care. Andrew Brandt on the continuing saga, which is the new collective bargaining agreement between the players and owners. Will there be a 17th game added? Will there be a new playoff team in each the AFC and the NFC? There's no getting around the fact that Evergreen Golf Call has been a driving force in making Mitch Unfiltered possible. The Evergreen Private Wealth Management Division has been growing families' money for decades, leading to comfortable retirements for people really all over the world. I've had personal experiences with other firms that only want to know if I meet their minimum beforehand. Tyler Hayes' team is different in that respect. Their client compatibility survey at evergreengolfcall.com is one of several ways that Evergreen listens 
and understands your unique situation before even the first conversation. Everyone's risk tolerance, time horizon, investment type is different. Evergreen's wealth consultants get that information ahead of time so that he or she can tailor make an approach and strategy that's perfect for you and your family's needs. Makes sense, right? There are even times that Evergreen reaches out to prospective clients to let them know that their investment philosophies just don't align, and that's okay. EvergreenGolfCall.com is a perfect place to start. Just click on its client compatibility survey and answer a few questions. No commitment, just a starting point. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest and beyond. Unfiltered. Right at the bottom of the flag. Yes, ma'am. Let's see what she's got. Tell you what, that's looking good. That's looking really good. Ah, Miss Marianne! Oh! Oh! She just won a brand new 2020 Nissan Altima. Congratulations, Miss A first in the short history of Mitch Unfiltered. Just about every episode, we announce an athlete of the week. But never, I repeat, never. Have we actually been graced by the athlete's presence on that very show? And that ends here on episode 81. Last Saturday in Oxford, Mississippi, at an Ole Miss Alabama hoops game, 84-year young Mary Ann Wakefield calmly stepped... I'm going to have to stop. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm 86. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I should feel complimented. <laughs> I should feel complimented. Actually, I'm 86. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Do you, do you, I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. Uh, do you want me to start all over again? Or you want to continue right on? Sure. <laughs> well, that's up, that's up to you. <laughs> Right, uh, the only reason I've been trying to correct it for all week, but that's all right. I know. Let's think I'm that young. You sound you sound 55, Marianne. Okay, so I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Uh, 86-year-old Marianne Wakefield calmly stepped up, rolled a putt across the floor, 94 feet, and into the hole for a brand new car, a 2020 Nissan Altima. And joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline is my new hero, Marianne Wakefield. What a pleasure it is to speak with you, Marianne. Well, I'm excited to speak to you, too. In fact, I'm all excited about your introduction. I can't hardly wait to hear it. What was that moment like for you, Marianne? I was in a state of shock. I mean, I was completely blank until everybody just started screaming and hollering. The shark ran up. I mean, Sharky came up and he hugged me. And I was in a state of shock. I couldn't believe that it went in. I don't know that I would have even been able to see across the court that far. Can you actually see the ball disappear? I couldn't even see the hole. <laughs> yeah, when I when I got up to the ball, uh, I don't know if you saw the video, but I turned my head back and talk spoke to the uh, announcer. I says, "Where's the hole?" <laughs> and then turned around and finally, I thought I saw it, and uh, I noticed that where they had the ball placed was lined up with a hole, as far as I could see. So, well, I just. Bit over and set my putter and yeah. prayed yeah. <laughs> and 
putted. <laughs> and when the whole crowd starts cheering for you like that, I don't know that any of us have been able to ever experience that. You got to share with us what that was like with the whole arena chanting for you and screaming for you. Oh. You're a rock. Marianne, you were the Beatles. You were a rock star. <laughs> I know. I was Tiger Wood and, <laughs> and uh, every star. I, I tell you the truth. It just was beyond my imagination. It really was. It was crazy. And everybody was standing and clapping and cheering. It just, it was thrilling and at the same time, surreal. What I want to know is who is Marianne Wakefield? Am I going to find out that you're a Hall of Fame golfer? Or are you just a oh, are you are you just a regular are you just a regular grandma in in Mississippi? No, I'm a little bit of everything. Uh, I'm actually from Arkansas, but I've moved to so many locations uh, through my years. But I re- came to Oxford just 16 months ago uh-huh. to be close to my oldest daughter, Debbie Byers, and. Uh, because, you know, I'm kind of getting old. <laughs> and I thought it'd be nice to be close to her. Actually, I am not a go- Well, let me take this back. My husband told me how to golf after I retired. I retired for radio t- television. And I played when we retired to Cherokee Village, Arkansas, and played with the ladies group. But uh, I was never that good. In fact, I mean, I could drive a ball. I had... I could get it there, but once I got close to the green, I was lost, and I could never, never uh, putt to make par. So it was a fluke. It was just a plain miracle. I don't know how else to explain it. Well, I think I figured it out, Marianne. I think while you were playing back in Arkansas, you were getting the ball too close to the hole, so you could never make a putt. What you needed to do was you <laughs> you needed to keep the ball 100 feet away. Well, uh, only that. One nice thing is the hardwood floor didn't have a break in it. And that helped. That helped. Marianne, how are, was- how are you picked to be the one that got a chance to putt? How long did you know that you were going to go down there and, and try it? Well, uh, well, I, uh, I'm sorry. I'm stuttering here, but had it not been for my daughter from St. Louis, came down and surprised me with a visit. Uh, my daughter that lives here and her husband have season tickets. And if they have an extra, they always invite me. Well, in this case, I was not going to be able to go to the game. But when Susan came down and surprised me, I got online and bought a couple of tickets because she had never seen our beautiful arena. Uh-huh. And so happened there was only two tickets left in a lower section because I, it's hard for me to climb the steps very high. Uh-huh. But anyway, so we got there. And as we were walking to the uh, to our seats, I just told her I'd like to sign up for the golf. She says, okay. I was the first and only one there at the time. So she says, you can do it. And it was just like that. And uh, So you didn't even get a chance to practice, Marianne. You don't even need practice. I thought practice makes perfect. Well, I'm glad I didn't practice. <laughs> <laughs> If I practiced, I probably didn't miss the backboard. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Have you, have you received your car yet? Yes, I have. And, oh, oh my gosh, it's gorgeous. <laughs> I have never driven a car. <laughs> I've never had a new car, to, especially with one that many gadgets. I, I'm going to have to go to school just to <laughs> learn, learn how to do them. But it, it is a beautiful, beautiful car. And, what color? Oh, gosh. It's a pearl white yeah it's uh 
I wish I could show you a picture, but I can't. But it is. It is. I drove it to church this morning for oh. the first time and scared me to death. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I've been driving about 60 years, and it, I, I said, I wish I had bubble wrap around it or something uh, to protect it. But have, you it, won, it uh, have you ever won anything, Marianne, in your life? Have you ever won a contest or a raffle or a lottery or anything? At church, I I cannot no I cannot say well I won bingo once in a while <laughs> but as far as a prize no never won no no I tell you the Lord had total control over that one <laughs> <laughs> okay so in fact no. oh I was just going to say when I been over lined up the shot I just said it's up to you Lord and I hit it and closed my eyes and waited. <laughs> I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit, Marianne. I thought it was a beautiful stroke and a beautiful putt. Now, now wait a second. You become a star now overnight. People like me want to talk with you about this. Has it been fun? What what are some of the things that have happened to you? Have people recognized you in a store or anything like that? Oh, yes. Uh, Mostly at the game. You know, when I walked up to the seat, everybody stood up and applauded it on my way out. People kept stopping me and wanted me to have their pictures taken with me. (laughs) I mean, I couldn't get over it. It was like being being somebody. (laughs) It just overwhelmed me. And, uh, but yes, uh, they had me on the radio show. Of course, all the fans were there, a live radio show from Obis. Yeah. And introduced me to everybody. I just, I'm not used to that kind of attention. <laughs> well, you you are really charming and really sweet, and I don't think it could have happened to a better person. And uh, oh, eight, thank you. 86-year-old Marianne Wakefield, 94 feet across the floor, a putt that even – I haven't even noticed – you probably don't even know this, that on social media you're a hero, you're a star. There are, there are golfers, there are professional golfers, Marianne, that are saying that they wish that they – that you would putt for them on in tournaments, on tour. <laughs> that is pretty hilarious, I tell you. Well, I was amazed at how many TV shows and – Video shows have contacted me. I was on Access uh, Hollywood yesterday, oh. and I could read. And then someone told me that, that putt was a play of the week on ESPN. I thought, oh, that poor guy, that, the poor guy that lost to me. I felt, <laughs> felt bad. I said, to an 86 year old woman, that, that's pitiful. Well, you are terrific, Marianne. Thank you so much for making that putt. Enjoy your new car. Enjoy your family and your grandchildren. And I really appreciate you being with us on Mitch Unfiltered. Uh, you're a real sweetheart. You're my, it's been my pleasure, really. Unfiltered. stuff segment time it's episode 81 my thanks to our four guests i thought they were four good interviews uh, nick rolovich washington state head football coach the new head football coach funny guy hopefully he'll win some games for washington state cougar fans the old southpaw jim zorn xfl seattle dragons head coach andrew brandt on the collective bargaining agreement uh, between the owners and the players in the nfl and if that's not enough the first ever athlete of the week who actually joined us on the show where she was named Athlete of the Week, Mary Ann Wakefield, 86 years old, 94 feet across the basketball court into a little hole for a brand new car. Is that what she wanted, a brand new car? Yeah, brand, was new, a brand car. new car. Yeah, brand new car. 86 years old. 
and a beautiful stroke. Was it really? Yeah. One shot, no practice shot, across the court, into the hole. I love that. Have I, you seen that? Yeah, don't tell me you haven't seen that. I've seen it. I've okay. seen it. Okay. I, I love that whole promotion. It's such a cool idea. Oh, my God. It's so improbable. So and yet, don't you love that it's an 86-year-old yes. grandma that wins it? So oh, great. come on. Same age as my mom. Anyway, other stuff segment. Would you like to lead off the other stuff segment? Go ahead. I will lead off. What are you leading off with? Astros hitters oh, have been hit by seven. Yes. They've been hit by pitches seven times so far. And as I wrote this, yes. it was still February. <laughs> I mean, February. They've been hit seven times in spring training. Oh, so obviously not a coincidence. No. Because people no. are starting to go like, well, but the, the pitchers that are throwing it, they may not make the, they're not very good. They may not make, you know, they're. No. The question is, is it going to be play out during the exhibition season? Right. And then it's going to end once we get to the regular oh. year. It's not going to happen in the regular year because that would be a shame. <laughs> I really want it to happen. By the way, I don't know. Do you remember? Are you a baseball guy? Do you remember the name Jim Deshays? I remember the name from my youth. Jim, De- Jim Deshays no. this, was this, at least in my mind, this behemoth of a human being, round. Left-handed pitcher, I believe. I don't think he was right. I think he's a southpaw. Left-handed pitcher, Jim Deshays, was around for years. Okay. I think he was actually on the Houston Astros. I think he was on that Houston Astros staff with Mike Scott and some of those guys. Anyway. Oh, I remember Mike Scott, yeah. Okay, Jim Deshays with this, was this big, lovable, teddy bear-like left-hander, and now he's a broadcaster for the Chicago Cubs. Okay. And the Cubs are playing the Astros the other day in exhibition baseball. So it's... The Cubs, where he's broadcasting for the Cubs against the Astros, his former team. And he says at one point, because they're just booing the hell out of it. I guess it was at the Cubs ballpark, wherever that, that is. They're booing the hell out of the Astros players. I mean, and everyone is just, every time, every player that comes up, boo, yeah, yeah. boo. And Deshaies says Great. something like, listen, the Astro players, if they want, they could use earplugs to block out all the boos on the road this season, but then they won't be able to hear the trash cans. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> I love that. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, I, like I mean, that line. Astros, they are getting it. They are getting it, these players. Uh, I, you, you are right. Baseball does kind of have this this weird like set of rules. Like, okay, it's like unwritten rules in yeah. baseball. Yeah. Okay, we're going to bean the hell out of them, but then when yeah. the season starts, we're all... Well, I don't know that. I don't know that. I could see that happening, though, is what I I'm saying. I hope not. You want them to keep getting it? Oh, God. They, they got to get it. If, if that happens, I will say, okay, then you shouldn't have done it at all during the exhibition season and waited to start in the regular year. If they're just getting all these beanballs out of the way now, that would be one of the sorely disappointing stories of, of 2020, <laughs> not 2020. And by the way, uh, big controversy. Are you a Garth Brooks fan since it's my turn on the other stuff subject uh, segment? I like uh, some of his songs, yeah. Yeah? I mean, I'm not a huge, I'm not a real country western Garth fan. Brooks played Detroit the other night. Did you hear this? I think so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Garth Brooks played Detroit, and he came out in a number 20 Detroit Lions uniform because he's always been a fan of... Barry Sanders, classic pandering to the audience. And he is under complete scrutiny worldwide. People are not happy with him wearing a Barry Sanders jersey. Let me read to you one of the literally thousands and thousands of tweets that came in when video surfaced of Garth Brooks in Detroit wearing a Barry Sanders number 20 Lions uniform. Here's one of them for you. I think you'll get a kick out of this. Good grief. And this is right to Garth Brooks. Because, you know, in the day of social media, now you can talk straight to your favorite oh, that's artists, right? right? Good grief. Can't you just do what you get paid for? Why, why, why does it always have to involve politics? So sad. We don't pay you to do anything other than watch you perform. Thought you were different. 
Everybody thought it was it was Bernie Sanders, <laughs> and not Bernie Sanders. <laughs> All right, musicians. The whole world thought he was doing Bernie Sanders, that he was up there uh, hawking Bernie Sanders. If anyone comes to play Seattle, don't wear a Chris Warren jersey because <laughs> they might think it's for Elizabeth Warren. All right, go By easy. the way, would anybody wear a Chris <laughs> Warren jersey? Can you find I don't one? even know that Chris Warren would wear a Chris <laughs> Warren jersey. His kids haven't even worn one. Oh, I just love it's that. It's very 2020. People just jumping off of oh, the God. ledge. He's wearing something that says Sanders. It must be... People uh, love Bernie getting Sanders. They love getting outraged. It's like a, it's like a, it's a now a pastime. And how does that? How do these? How do these thousands of people? Do you remember the old Emily Latella? You remember? Remember Ellie, Emily Latella? No. You don't know who Emily Latella is. No. So you're not you're not old enough to remember the original Saturday Night Live. Gilda mm. Radner. Yeah, I remember Gilda Radner. Gilda sure. Radner played a number of different characters. May she rest in peace. Yep. She played Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana. The one in the big the chair. The ball coming off her nose, Dr. <laughs> Joyce Brothers. Um, and she also played a little lady named Emily Latella. Okay. Emily Latella was this Gilda Radner character who would come on Weekend Update. And I think it would be Chevy Chase and Jane. Dan Aykroyd, maybe? No. No, who was, okay. whoever was doing the yeah. weekend update at the beginning. And every so often, like they do now, ladies and gentlemen, here with a commentary about the Equal Rights Amendment is our own Emily Latella. And she would come in just like they do now, and she'd be hunched over wearing glasses and her hair down. Oh, and I she can was picture her. Emily Latella. Yeah, yeah. And she'd say, I think she'd be outraged. The Eagles have too many rights already, these Eagles. And she would always screw the subject up. And oh, she gotcha. would go through this like <laughs> 10 minute sermon on her opposition, but she'd screw the words up. Yeah, yeah. And then ultimately, Chevy Chase would say, uh, uh, Miss Latella, it's, it's, it's not the Eagle Rights Amendments, it's the Equal Rights Amendments. And she would do the same thing every time. She'd say, she'd look in the, in the, in the camera and go, oh, never mind. That was the that <laughs> yeah. was the punchline. Uh-huh. All these people, the thousands. Bernie Sanders, you're up there, Bernie. Uh, it's a Barry Sanders jersey. Yeah. Played for the Detroit Lions. Never mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, you're living in a country where people quit drinking Corona beer oh, because they thought Corona beer was somehow associated with the coronavirus. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hundreds. I've been reading the article. <laughs> They're losing hundreds and we're all losing money. But yeah. Corona beer is getting killed by this right. thing. Right. That's 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 the country we're living in now. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, crazy. we went to Costco the other day. My wife oh. and I went to Costco the other day. No toilet paper. Now, what? how much How much toilet paper? And we weren't even looking for toilet paper. We just heard the scuttlebutt in the store, people running around frantically. God. How much toilet paper would the, uh, would the Kirkland Costco have to sell before they sell out toilet paper? <laughs> That's the first one ever, by the way. That's the big flagship Costco. <laughs> <laughs> they sold out. on As of last Friday, they had no toilet paper. No toilet paper. Everywhere, a run on toilet paper. I saw people killing themselves over Clorox wipes yeah. and then hand sanitizer. Maybe we shouldn't be making fun of, of the coronavirus. Well, but I like how they're they're killing themselves over Clorox wipes and sand. But then, oh, hey, a free little mini quiche. Don't mind if I do. Yeah. It's been sitting out all day. And there's the video that you and Steve love of the guy in the supermarket <laughs> drinking. St- what a scumbag. I have so many questions about that video. People know that. Yeah, tell you what would you tell everybody? Well, it's, it's a guy. He's like in a Whole like Foods, in a, in a, in a, on a like a video camera that the store would have. Like, what do you call that? A surveillance camera. Yeah. He, you know how they have the soups, right? Yeah, yeah. You just help yourself to the soups. You, yeah. He helped himself, all right. He's drinking right out of the ladle. <laughs> he put the ladle right up to his mouth. No, that one's no good for me. I'll put that one back. What a scumbag.
What is he? And he does, it's like one thing if it's somebody's homeless and they're desperate. Yeah. He looked like he could be like your uncle or like a normal guy. Uh, like no uncle of mine. <laughs> you don't know that. Uh, uh, speaking of the up. coronavirus, yeah. I don't know if you saw this, but the NCPA, which is the National College Players Association, they're asking the NCAA to seriously explore holding March Madness games without attendees. How would you like a March Madness without attendees? They're like asking them to seriously explore this. They released a statement. Do I have to answer that? I don't have to answer that. You're talking to somebody who went 25 years in a row to the NCAA tournament. You know that. Yes, I do know that. Yeah, you don't have to ask me how, how, what I feel about NCAA tournament. You'll, you'll take your chances, will you? Well, I'm not going. I don't go anymore. Right. I watch them on TV. I watch them on this screen right here. I, I can't so, be bothered to go. I don't want to no, get the coronavirus. No, but uh, I mean, if we're going to do the big uh, March Madness Daniels broiler deal i'd like there to be some people at the actual games yeah well because google just canceled a summit in california amazon is encouraging its employees to yeah, avoid I all know. so the ncaa my my, uh, my brother as an aside my brother who's on a who's on the board of directors of a company here in bellevue and he comes three two three times a year for board meetings they they canceled their board meeting told him not to come wow. it was supposed to be this coming week when we uh, release episode eight he was supposed to be here this week he just called me uh, over the weekend to say, I don't think I'm coming because I, they're, they're canc- just out of precautionary, they're canceling the board meeting. They don't want people flying in. Well, if Kirkland had to jump in and be the first one, by the way, to if the first death was in Kirkland. I think the problem really is, I haven't told my brother this, is that the, the hotel that he was going to stay in for the board meeting is out of toilet paper and there's just... <laughs> Nothing they can do about it. No toilet paper in town. Wouldn't you go food first and then toilet paper? Why why are they running out of toilet Uh, paper? Plenty of food, no toilet paper. Does the coronavirus cause Uh, that? I don't know. I I have one last one. Okay. I have one last one. The Dayton Flyers, college basketball's Dayton Flyers, uh, one of the nation's best college basketball teams, was playing on Friday Night Hot Shot. Okay. And they started the game, and in their first possession, a guy by the name of Jalen Crutcher for the for the Dayton Flyers, got the ball, and he tried like a 14-15 shot, kind of like Piper tried today in in, in her two wins, or over the weekend, I guess I should say. And you're probably saying to yourself, why in the world is Mitch telling me about a Dayton Flyer basketball, even though they're uh, highly ranked, why is he telling me about Jalen Crutcher's missed jump shot on the first possession? Ask me why I'm. T- what in the world is going on in my mind? Why would I? Besides care? the fact that we have no toilet paper in the house, <laughs> right? Uh, what is? Why would anybody care about Jalen Crutcher's missed twelve or fifteen footer on the game's first possession? It's a great or question. You, or do you know the answer? I don't know the answer. I have okay. no idea. So let him ask me. Why do you care about Jalen Crutcher's I- first missed shot in a game for Dayton? I don't, and I was just bringing it up to see if I could get you. Really? No. <laughs> okay. No, there is actually something. <laughs> All right. <laughs> God, long way to go. It was a two-point jump shot on the first possession of the game. Guess how many, and he missed it. Guess how many two-point shots Dayton missed the rest of the college basketball game on Friday night against the alma mater of Steph Curry, Davidson. That would be zero. Jeez. They never missed a shot from two. They missed a couple threes. Yeah, yeah. Never missed a two-point field goal shot. I've never heard of it. As, as long as I'm watching college basketball, yeah, I've never yeah. heard anything. They were 27 of 28 from two-point land. The whole team. Does this team have a bunch of dunkers on it or something? Or? They, well, they have Obi Toppin, one of the dunkers, yeah. They did get a couple of dunks, but 
27 two-point shots in a row they made. Jeez. And they just happened to miss the very first one. I think it's even a better story. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have been as good a story if they made the first 13, guy missed, made the next 14. Right, yeah, he yeah. He misses the, the con- first one on the first possession, <laughs> and then they don't miss another shot. And I thought that was worthy of episode 81. That's how bad episode 81 is when the house has no toilet paper. <laughs> right. You know, that's a good I'm story. I'm a bit constipated. Yeah. You're just going to have to excuse me. I understand. <laughs> All right. One quick last one about Portland Trailblazer Trevor Ariza. I'm not that familiar with him. Yeah, UCLA, I believe. Okay. He was yeah. guarding Trey Young. You, you remember Trey Young, right? The guy you said uh, wouldn't be a good pro. Remember that kid? Um, he was <laughs> he was guarding I Trey Young. That, I can't stop doing that. He was guarding Trey. And, you know, Trey tried to... Who nut- was Trey Young traded for on drafting? Oh, now, now you're going to act Come like on. you're a huge fan of him all of a sudden. Come on. No. I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to ask you a question that literally 19 out of 20 listeners would be able to get. Really? You wouldn't. Yeah. I'm just going to expose you he was to the NBA fraud. He was traded on, 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 on draft night. He was not drafted by the Atlanta Hawks. He was traded for a guy who's even better than he is. And it's hard. There aren't many guys, young guys, that are better than he is. So who, who, would, be, who would be a young guy that's better than him? As I interrupt your story, a young guy. Isn't this Trey Young's like first? Is it second? It's his second season. Second season. Yeah. yeah. There's a guy by the name of Luka Doncic. Oh, he's pretty good. Was traded for Trey Young. Is that right? So Luka Doncic was, I guess, officially drafted by the Hawks, and Young was drafted by the Mavericks, and then they flip flopped. So go ahead. I I just want you because I know you're going to be asked that. You know, while you're waiting outside a lavatory with no toilet paper <laughs> God. At, at, at work. Go ahead. Do I need to leave here and go like to a store and get some? I mean, I ju- we- no, I just want to make sure you don't have to go before you. <laughs> yeah, leave here, you, can't, you can't do it here, big boy. <laughs> Take that elsewhere. Well, here's some paper towels. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Trey Young, he, you know his move. Have you, you know what it is to, to nutmeg somebody in basketball? Nutmeg? I think it's a new term. I just found out about it. No, but I, I, I can probably picture what you're well, I, between the legs and then step back or something? Well, Trey yeah. Young is From good like 40 at... 40 feet? No, he's good at throwing it through the defender's legs. Oh. I didn't know it was called nutmegging oh. somebody. It's well, like an old makes, playground oh, trick. Oh, nut. Yeah. There oh, you go. Makes yes. sense, yeah. Well, he does it all the time, and uh, Ariza wasn't having it. I don't know if you saw this. He went through Ariza's legs, and Ariza gave him like a hockey check. Like, checked him. Like, well, no... He's much bigger than Trey Young. Everybody's bigger than... You're bigger than Trey Young. <laughs> right. I'm bigger than Trey Young. But I loved it. Like, no, 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 young guy. You're not doing that little playground shit to me. And he checked him. And really? Trey Young just... Flying? He just stood back like, I got it. I understand. You know, because that's it's a little insulting to do to an NBA player. Even though Trey Young does it all the time, right? I mean, yeah. he's a really guess, good player. I, I know that. Yeah. So I loved it. Good for Ariza for standing yeah. up and being like, You no, have no, an no, all right, uh, a rest in peace before we name the show? Yeah, unfortunately, I do. I don't I don't know this man. I, I never knew him. I remember him as a player. He was a very, very good player. Uh, former Husky and Seahawk Nesby Glasgow passed away after a long battle with stomach cancer. Yeah. He was an eighth-round pick by the Baltimore Colts in 79, but then earned a starting spot by his second season. He was on the Hawks from 88 to 92. He was 62. 62 years old for Nesby Glasgow. Well, may he rest in peace yes. and our you know our our condolences to his uh, family and friends. I assume we're not doing episode Daryl Turner, uh, episode Nate Burleson. I I you look if you're going to go strictly by overall body of work, I think Terrell Owens has it. I agree. Over Tim Brown. Tim Brown, the 1987 Heisman Trophy winner and a Hall of Famer in his own right. Dick Knight Train Lane is a Hall of Famer. I mean, Art Monk went to Syracuse. He's a Hall Art of Famer. Art Monk's numbers might be higher than we think. He played okay, yeah, a long not, time. Yeah, he, he, well, when he left, he and Largent were like, right. weren't they the neck and neck guys, the wide receivers and catches? Carl Eller was a great player. I believe he's in the Hall of Fame. The problem with Terrell Owens is it brings back a very, very um, sensitive moment involving a guy you know and your show knows. 
Yeah. Terrell Owens. You know what I'm going to say. Of course. It's the greatest touchdown celebration I think of all time. You can't do better than what he did. Here in Seattle. Correct. Pulled out a Sharpie. That's right. Signed the ball and handed it to somebody. And who did he burn? Well, he burnt Sean Springs. Your guy, you and Tepper's guy, Sean Springs. But where did he hand the ball? To Sean Springs is like somebody in Sean Springs suite. Yeah, he, on the 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 field right. side suite. Right. And what really bothered me about that was Sean Springs' reaction. I don't remember that. Oh, you because you guys have blocked it out. That's right. <laughs> okay. His reaction was no big deal. He was not he he was not furious. I mean, this is like he should have pulled a Trevor Ariza if you want to tie all these yeah, shows. That's right. He should have been so mad that he should have belted Terrell Owens for yep. doing that, for showing him up like that after he got burned. But he was like, ah, he's just being T.O. It's okay. Uh, you know, no, 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 no. no, no. no. I hated, hate is a strong word. I was, I was never a Sean Springs fan after that. That was it for me. That like, that, that yeah. like closed the book on my, my fandom of Sean Springs, his reaction to the T.O. signing of the ball. It's the most embarrassing thing that could happen to you. Of course. You should be so mad. He literally... Remember what happened when he tried to celebrate on the star after he left Dallas? He was San Francisco. Somebody came over and trucked him. Was, uh, like George Teague, Teague or somebody? Yeah, George Teague. Okay, somebody came over and trucked him. Yeah. Sean Springs like, ah, it's okay. He's just being... No. You go over, you knock the ball no, and the Sharpie no. out of his hand. Take or... the Sharpie and poke his eye out with it. Right. Well, maybe not. How many games did Owens play with a Sharpie in his sock waiting <laughs> to pull that move? Probably That's not many I... because he scored every time he, every every game he scored it's, in those days. I great. think it's the greatest Should celebration ever. we do episode ever. Terrell It's got to be Terrell Owens. Episode T.O.? Yeah, it's got to be. Will people hate that here I in mean, Seattle? Think about you know, Tim Brown. Think about that effort in the Super Bowl Nate where he, he wasn't supposed to play for the Eagles. Then he has like 120 yards and 12 catches, and then they lost That's the Super my Bowl. Quarterback. I, yeah, well, he has his issues, but I've always okay. liked T.O. Episode T.O. is in the books.